0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: They are two rivals from the ages, both trying to rediscover their long-lost relevance on the college football landscape. The Miami Hurricanes, absent for 16 seasons now, trying to answer the call of yet another new head coach, Manny Diaz, who's all about swag and playing with emotion. They will bring that emotion into Camping World Stadium this Saturday night to meet the Florida Gators, led by the tactician Dan Mullin, who arrived in Gainesville last year from Mississippi State and led the Gators to a 10-win season and a preseason top-10 ranking going into 2019. Saturday at 7 p.m., One team will begin to emerge full of hope as they embark on a new season of college football. The other is going to be sent home, not quite sure about itself, to regroup for the road ahead. Which one are the Miami Hurricanes going to be?
2: One, two, three, four.
1: Welcome to the center of the
2: college universe. Who needs hype when you have a Florida Miami game? It's not just some rivalry. This is one-on-one combat. Brothers and
3: sisters,
2: I don't know what this world is coming to. In a series filled with bad blood, the Gators take on the Canes in a Sunshine State blood match.
1: a new season of college football, Canes fans, and a new season of Canes Sport Live. None of us know where the next four months will take us, but every Tuesday night, we will be here to slice it up together. Manny Diaz, Jaron Williams, Dan, the man Enos, and his new innovative offense, the turnover chain, the touchdown chain, Garvin, Shaq, Pinckney. A new punter from Australia, Lewis Headley. Yeah, it's time for the show. Yes, a new season is here. Let's do it big. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of CaneSport.com, and I welcome you once again to CaneSport Live, presented once more this year by Sicilian Oven Restaurants. You know they have those six great locations throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you'll not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563 563- 999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. As always, more than 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in. We've gotten feedback from you guys in the off season. Everybody's asking tighter phone calls. Um, poor Ross. He's not going to be able to come in with a list of 10 topics this year. We'll let him get a couple in. But, uh, yeah, like let's, let's uh, work hard together here this year let's keep the the calls tighter maybe than they have been in the past let's get as many people to come on the show as possible you folks out there listening who have not called in in previous years we want to hear from some new voices this year so don't be bashful get in on the queue I'm gonna I'm gonna move guys in and out and we're gonna try to get as many people on as we can not just tonight but throughout the season so you call in the number 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633, If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad, okay? That'll put you in the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. Uh, those of you that don't want to come on the show that, that have called in, not a problem there. Like I said, we have over 100 open phone lines. You're welcome to listen to the show um, over your phone if you're not uh, by a computer or uh, another uh, mobile device like an iPad or, you know, so forth and so on. So um, plenty of room for everybody, no matter how you choose to listen or participate. We once again asked subscribers at Canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show and uh, some great ones. I mean, absolutely great ones. I'll make sure I address all of them tonight during the course of the show. Um, really one of the better lineups of questions and topics that I can remember. Um, I think this is the fifth year now that we're doing Kane sport live. Um, so I'll make sure we get to them all. All right, before we go out to the phone lines, let me just take a few moments here to set the table and just give you a few of my impressions of your Miami hurricanes. And, um, you know, let's talk about training camp beginning with the quarterback position. So, The competition began in the spring with every one of us, I think, just assuming that Tate Martell was going to come here from Ohio State and be Miami's quarterback. Um, But I'll tell you, after watching really the first spring practice, certainly by the second, there was no doubt in my mind that that was not going to happen. I mean, struggled enormously, um, really kind of threw – a lot of people for a loop because I think everybody had mentally kind of adjusted themselves to the idea that a savior was coming in. Let's be honest. I mean, the end of last year was just absolutely brutal and, you know, Jaron Williams hadn't played, you know, he he played a a little bit against Savannah state. That was it. So we had nothing to go by in evaluating Jaron Williams, the totally self-destructed last year, as, as we all know. So, I think it was a big mental adjustment for people to get used to the idea that, hey, this Tate Martell guy might not be the best quarterback. And I don't think he – I never felt he was close to being the best quarterback, as those of you that are on the message boards at canesport.com. And and we've been discussing this on a daily basis now for for four months. Um, You know how I felt about it. And uh, over the summer, started to hear – that Jaron Williams was making good progress. And I felt Nicozy Perry took the lead in the spring. Uh, but as the summer progressed, I was hearing that Jaron was starting to grasp the Dan Enos offense much better and was making up ground fast and that this was going to be a legitimate competition going into training camp. Well, you know, a week went by. We're watching, you know, thank you to Manny Diaz for letting us watch a fair amount of practice the first week for sure. And I couldn't separate them. Uh, You know, it's like, I I still felt, you know, Tate was markedly better than he was in the spring. He had worked a lot in the summertime with Dan Enos on his mechanics, had clearly put the time in over the summer and seemed to be throwing the ball better in the early stages of camp. Um, Not to a degree where I ever felt he was going to win the job, but it was a legitimate competition out there. And, we couldn't separate them. I don't know anybody that could, to be honest with you. I know know people throw around different opinions and stuff and, you know, try to get clicks and things like that. I mean, every credible person that I speak with and associate with, and and, and there's a lot of them now after all the years that I've been here and been fortunate enough to to cover this program. uh, Not one legitimate person that I, whose opinion that I would respect saw it any differently. Like you couldn't separate these guys. So, you know, the scrimmages came and went and it was pretty clear that Jaron and the cozy were right there with each other. And Tate started to regress a little bit in the middle of camp. And we started to see some of those mechanic breakdowns. Uh, you'll remember the, the one day where a bunch of videos were posted of him airmailing guys without anybody even covering them and things like that. I mean, that wasn't that Big of an event, to be honest with you, for those who have watched practice going back to the spring, because that was a regular occurrence, to be 100 percent honest with you guys. So, um, you know, it's a it's a Jaron battle. It could go either way. And I felt all along and, 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 actually, and commented about this along the way that if it were close, if it were even or close, that that was not going to be good for Nikozi Perry, because you cannot go eight months. And look, nobody does marketing. Nobody does videos. Nobody does social media right now like the Miami Hurricanes. I haven't seen another school that comes close to what's been going on here for eight months on social media. And, uh, you know, it's like if you're going to brand the program or rebrand the program, the new Miami, to that degree for eight months, how do you – roll out there on Saturday night with Nikozi Perry as your quarterback, potentially have things not go well. And you become like the biggest joke in college football because everyone's like, ah, look at that new Miami. You know, I just, I, I never felt like that was going to work very well. And I felt like if it was close that Jaron Williams was going to get the nod. And, and I, I love the decision. I, I, I think Jaron Williams has the most upside of the three guys Uh, I think that he gives you something to build on and it might not go well Saturday night. There's every reason in the book for it not to go well Saturday night. I mean, if if Miami comes out and plays an amazing four quarters and wins that game, it's going to be one of the most monumental achievements in the modern day history of the program. I mean, think where they're coming from. They lost five of their last seven. They got blown out at the end of the year. The head coach flat quit uh, rather than try to tackle all these problems himself. You got a new head coach, you got a new quarterback, you got an offensive line in total transition, and you know, of course, you know we got to try to put a happy face on that. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure there is a happy face for the situation on 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 the offensive line. Um, you're challenged at the receiver position. Uh, a, a guy from Buffalo walks on campus and is immediately your best receiver. I mean, really? When has that ever happened here? Um, you know, defensive tackles. I mean, you did you see the way Wisconsin pounded the ball in the bowl game? And now we have to believe that John Ford is going to morph into Gerald Willis on Saturday night? I mean, you could go on and on. You could, you're, I think you're replacing 80, 90 starts in the secondary with a, a quarterback coming back for Florida that by the end of last year was um, – just an an impeccable performer. I mean, look at the scores of the last two games that Florida played last year and how badly they outscored Florida state and Michigan. Uh, So yeah, if they, if the hurricanes can roll into Orlando on Saturday and win, it's, I'm going to consider it one of the greatest accomplishments in the modern day history of the program. I really will. It will be right up there next to that Notre Dame game in 2017, um, so, you know, w- w- we'll, see what happens there, but the new Miami needed to be the new Miami. Okay. And, and with Jaron Williams, the quarterback, I think that it is, you know, it, it, it is the new Miami and, you know, I can only urge everybody. I mean, every play is not going to go perfect Saturday night. I, you know, it, it doesn't even when you have the greatest most seasoned quarterbacks, um, do not start booing Jaron Williams, please. Uh, this is a kid that is, is a solid, human being. He, you know, he's growing up. He made some mistakes last year, but he's a solid guy. He's a very good prospect that should be here four years. Whether he starts off four or not remains to be seen by the quarterbacks coming into the program. If he has a rough series or a rough quarter, if he you know, makes a couple mistakes, you know, I just urge everybody, don't, just don't destroy the kid on opening night, okay? Because um, you got a whole season ahead of you. The, the matchups are going to be much more favorable in pretty much every game, probably every game, than they're going to be Saturday night. We'll see what happens Saturday night. Everyone, every one of us, and anybody who has anything to do with Miami, obviously, is going to Orlando or watching on TV, hoping for a victory. If it doesn't go well, don't turn on the quarterback. That that would be you know my, you know what I would say as we go into this thing. So. It'll be the Jaron Williams show at Camping World Stadium Saturday night. But won't it just as much be about what's going on around Williams? And, And that's going to begin with the offensive line, which has question marks all over the place. Think about this. Miami will begin the season with a true freshman at left tackle in Zion Nelson. A true freshman that not too many months ago, was going to Appalachian State and didn't have many other options. He was a 235-pound kid, um, rated a two-star. And when the season fell apart at the end of last year, Miami's recruiting department um, went into disaster disaster mode, really, uh, because obviously they weren't going to get the top prospects that they were recruiting. And they started combing – all the commitment lists of all these mid-level schools, and started evaluating players that might be able to be coerced to switch to Miami because it's simply a better opportunity. And and this is what happened: Zion Nelson. The minute Miami got serious about him, that the flip took place. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even a, a, a battle there. I mean, obviously, I mean Appalachian State, Miami, Miami likes me. I got a chance. I can go gain some weight. Blah 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 blah. Well, here he is. Okay. Um, six months later, starting a left tackle against an SEC defense on national TV in his first game. I mean, it, uh, absolutely insane, but that's, what's going to happen on Saturday night. Um, you've got a redshirt freshman who has yet to play a snap at right tackle, or he actually, I'm not going to say that. he's got in for some snaps, but nothing, nothing significant. Okay. Uh, John Campbell will be the right tackle. Uh, Corey Gaynor, I think, saw action in four games last year while getting redshirted, um, played in 10 games as a freshman. He looks to me like he can be a solid center. I, I really like Corey Gaynor. He's a real smart kid, and they're going to be counting on him a lot to he- just help out everybody, make sure everybody understands what's going on, help with the adjustments, get everybody um, you know, lined up and executing to the best that he can. I think Corey Gaynor is going to be a very key member of this team this year. But the right guard, the Lone Scaife, he played tackle last year. Um, the left guard, Navon Donaldson, is playing his third position in three seasons. Clearly the top returnee, but he's bouncing around pretty good. He was even playing center in spring practice. And the depth behind those five is as shaky as can be. Um, Kylian Herbert, Cleveland Reed, Alante Hillary, they've progressed slowly. Let's be honest. Um, you know, you would hope that at least one or two of those guys would have been starters by now, but they haven't been. The guy that I think you might see sooner than later, keep an eye on this one, is freshman Ja'Kai Clark, okay? He's backing up Gainer at center right now, but when I watch him, he looks to me like a kid that can also play guard. And if the tackles can't handle it and say Scaife has to go back out to tackle because Campbell or Nelson are overmatched, don't be shocked if you're not too deep into the season And you see this freshman, Ja'Kai Clark, on the field Um, because he looks to me like he's got a pretty good amount of potential. All right, at running back, DJ Harris looks spectacular all through fall camp. Cam Harris also poised to have a breakthrough year this year. I think that gives us uh, a really good one-two punch. Uh, You know all all about the tight end tandem of Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory, Uh, two guys that I think are elite. And if there's a better tandem of tight ends in the country, you know, I got to see it. You know, I haven't studied every roster, but I mean, I can't begin to imagine that anybody has recruited better at this position the last couple of years than Todd Hartley did here before he went to Georgia to start doing it up there. Um, but Jordan and Mallory obviously should be one of the best tandems of tight ends in the country. The thing I'm watching for at the wide receiver position is just catching the football. Um, the Canes were one of the worst teams in the country last year at simply making the catch. And we saw a lot of balls, bouncing off the hands of receivers in spring and fall drills. Um, K.J. Osborne, I just mentioned a minute ago from Buffalo, looks to me like he's going to be the most reliable receiver on the team. Um, Jeff Thomas might make a few more big plays if things go well, um, but if it's third and seven and you've got to get the ball to somebody that you know is going to catch it and run the right route and, and get to the open spots and the zones and things like that, um, my money's on K.J. Osborne. And, and I think uh, you're going to see him featured quite a bit. Um, I think he'll lead the team in receiving. Uh, that's my opinion going into the season. Um, obviously, Jeff Thomas hopefully will be a down-the-field playmaker. Um, right now, hardworking Mike Harley is the third starter. I'm a little concerned about his ability to get open on the outside. I, I don't like Harley as an outside receiver. Um, I think that you'll see him utilized to stretch the field quite a bit. Uh, I think you'll see him utilized on some crossing routes to take advantage of his speed going horizontally, but Harley hasn't shown in the past a capability of getting open very much out on the outside. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I, you know, I think Hightower is a guy that you, you know, you would like to see uh, step up a little bit. He's, he's been coming off the injury and, and, you know, maybe he's not a hundred percent yet. Obviously Mark Pope, is a guy that you're hoping will bust out this year has had some drop issues in practice. That's why you don't see him starting. And, you know, I mentioned the hands problems. They had 11 drop passes in the second scrimmage. I mean, that's just unacceptable. Okay. And, uh, if they cannot go through this season as one of the worst teams in college football, catching the ball and expect probably even to get to Charlotte, you know, because, uh, Right now, the majority of those teams don't look great, but you know Florida State's going to have, have a representative accounting for themselves when you go to Tallahassee. Virginia's coming in here. They'll, they'll be a representative team. I mean, look, there's no excuses. Even with all this, all these question marks and turmoil and everything, Miami should get to Charlotte and win the Coastal. Anything less is a disappointment. Um, but you've got to be able to catch the football on third down. So we'll see how that progresses. Okay, on defense, the challenges start. Dead smack in the middle. Jaris, Gerald Willis has to be replaced. And like I said, that didn't go very well in the pinstripe bowl. We keep hearing we are going to see a much improved version of John Ford this year, and we are going to need to. Um, meanwhile, the defensive end position is absolutely stacked. Uh, Garvin and, and Scott Patchen will get the start, but expect to see a ton of young upstart Greg Rousseau, Virginia Tech transfer Trayvon Hill, who would have been the best returning player on that Hokies team had he still been at Virginia tech, just landed in Miami's lap. So what didn't show up in very good shape. Okay. He was really fighting it in the early stages of practice, but I'm hearing he's been progressively getting better each week and he doesn't have to be an every down player here. They've got defensive ends. He could be a third down pass rusher, occasionally second down. Um, I think as the year goes on, you're going to see he'll make more and more of a contribution and then there's a freshman, Jafari Harvey, who's an absolute grown man, as as as, a, as a grown a man as a true freshman can possibly be. And uh, I don't see the coaches being able to resist playing him. I mean, would love to see a kid like that red shirt. I would love to see this program start building something, uh, to get to the point where the roster is more seasoned and you're not constantly turning things over and having guys leave who are just starting to get decent. Uh, Norton and McIntosh, you know, are examples of that uh i think joe jackson should have come back this year i mean you could just go on and on I mean i don't have to throw it all out at you guys it's just it's been bad and you can't build a program like that that's coming from where this one's been for 15 years so you know i would love to see some of these good freshmen get redshirted but i don't know i don't know i don't see the coaches doing it and and i'm sure they don't feel they're at that point yet um three veteran linebackers are a great group but you cannot afford an injury at that spot. Uh, the main backup will be Sam Brooks, a true freshman, and there's not much behind him. So um, Joyner will be back at some point here in a, in the next month, I think. Um, but going into this opening game, very pl- problematic. Uh, obviously, Zach McLeod is there to play a swing role and, and relieve uh, Quarterman and, and Pinckney, but you really don't want to see injuries at linebacker. It's already going to be affecting special teams that you don't have linebackers to play special teams. And uh, Miami just can't afford any injuries there. Other than the offensive line, the area that I am most concerned about, and this might surprise some of you guys, is the defensive backfield. Okay? Look at all the starts that are being replaced. Okay? Um, I haven't counted it up exactly. It has to be something like 80 or 90 when you factor in Jaquan, Redwine, and Michael Jackson. Um, The way I see it, Miami has one cornerback that it knows it can count on. And if Trajan Bandy is asked to do too much, his effectiveness figures to decline. Let's be honest, okay? We have no idea what to expect from DJ Ivy and Al Blades or freshman to Corey Couch and Christian Williams, okay? I personally think Blades is a safety, but that's a crowded spot right now with Amari Carter and Gervin Hall as the opening night starters and then talented USC transfer Bubba Bolden pushing for playing time. The coach is continuing to be intrigued by Robert Knowles, who's a senior now. And you also might see freshman Keontra Smith, who the coaches love during the season, because they're going to also want him on special teams. So. I think Al Blades is a safety. I think that that he could have a real hard time out there on Saturday night, um, but there's no room to put him in safety. So they're trying to make him a cornerback. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Lewis Headley, the new punter. He's shown a very strong leg uh, when we've watched him kick. The key for him is going to be consistency. Remember, this is his first time doing it on this type of stage. Uh, He's going to be nervous. Uh, There could be some growing pains there. Uh, We'll have to see how that evolves. Uh, Bubba Baxa has a year under his belt, and he should be ready to be a very solid kicker this year. Uh, The kick returners are going to be Jeff Thomas, K.J. Osborne, and D.J. Dallas. Obviously, Thomas will uh, be the key guy there. And we'll probably be uh, on first call to touch the football every time. Um, if they have to catch a ball inside the 15 uh, yard line on a punt, don't be surprised if you see Osborne go out there. He's got very sure hands. He did it at Buffalo. So that's a snapshot look at your Miami Hurricanes. Wanted to take a few minutes and give that to you really quick. Uh, now let's go out to the calls. Okay, let's remember 563. 999 3633 563 999 3633 You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Remember, this year we're keeping calls tight to the point. Let's get after it. Uh, in the 757. You are live on Kane Sport Live.
2: What up, Dad? What's happening, baby? This Kane Kane One. I'm gonna make this real quick, man. You know, everybody <laughs> said your Savior was coming in. So you say, and everybody else, that's a lie because I've been on whims. You see me on the board, I've been beaten up, got smashed. You always want the third string. Man, I seen something in the boy last year. Mark Rick, that's one good thing he did say. He said, this boy got something. He might throw the ball, but when he throw it, he throws to somebody. And he won't say in the other team. So that's out the way. So y'all savior, whoever savior, my savior was William. No knock on Perry, love Perry. If Perry would have started, I wouldn't have cried. But I knew it wasn't going to be, Williams would be third string because he's young. There's no way. And when you were saying things about Tate and I was listening to Wholesome One and all these other cats, they were saying, man, this, that, and the third. I'm like, okay, y'all want to run in quarterback, da, 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 da. But as things progressed and as the spring, when fall ball came, I was on the podcast 24-7. Listen, because I said, Williams can do this. Williams can do it. And my homeboy was like, well, Perry might get the job. I said, look, man, Williams right there. I listened. He said, Kim, I can't listen to them people. They don't know what they're talking about. I said, well, Gary been saying he look okay. He looking better. And you were good with your analysis this summer. You were real good. And other than that, the defense is going to be great. Like you said, it's going to be growing pain. And I wish somebody would boom. I wish they would boom if he throw 15, 20 interceptions on Saturday night, 'cause Because you got to learn someday and somewhere. So put him in the fire now because you're building for the future. And – Point blanket. That's all we need to know. Ride or die, 305 Canes, to forget the Gators. Hey, I'm going to make it quick. I got to go. And I told my man, Charles, I would beat Gary, and I did it. One love, 305, ride or die, see you next two. Let's go, Kane. I'm out.
1: <laughs> all right, Kane Kane, thanks for getting us started. Man, that, that's what I'm talking about. That was, a, that was a quick call, straight to the point. Didn't waste even a half a second uh, during that little speech he just gave us. And uh, I do want to comment on one thing he, he talked about, and that was the issue of the running quarterback And I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, man, the offensive line, you know, it'll be great to have a running quarterback. But here's the thing. You just you're paying a lot of money. I've heard different figures, one million to one point five million. I'm not sure what the exact contract number is, but it's big. Okay, it's seven figures. You're paying a lot of money for Dan Enos to come in here and put in a pro offense that's got motions and schemes and, and a place for the ball to go on every play as Manny Diaz describes it and everything else. Okay. You're, you're paying this man a lot of money to come in and bring that to this program and bring a system that can live on if he ever chooses to retire or go someplace else or whatever. And um, you're bringing a young coach in here to work under him in Jesse Stone, who I've been very impressed with, uh, who I think, you know, can grow, Uh, not too dissimilarly in his career, the way James Coley has grown. And now Coley, after being the OC at Miami, is now the OC at Georgia this year, where they're favored to make it to the national championship game. Um, So you bring these guys in here to run this type of offense. And if you have a quarterback who's looking to make everything a broken play and run around all the time, you have, you don't have anything like every, the whole thing breaks down, you know, the, the receivers, the, the running backs become insignificant, the tight ends, you know, everything's broken and you're trying to make broken plays. And, and so I don't think they were ever looking for that. That's just my opinion. I think it make made total sense to go with Jaron or Nicosi. And, you know, I already commented on, on, on how that all evolved. So, um, that's where I stand on that one. Um, You hit the 1 on your keypad if you want to come on the show for those that are just joining us. Let's go to the 845 now where you are live on Sport Live.
3: Yeah, Gary. Greg, I'll make it quick. Um, Should I cancel my trip to Orlando based on your happening? No. You're very negative right here.
1: I'm not negative. I'm honest. Greg, I'm honest, not negative. Okay. okay? Nobody wants to see this team go out there and win 50 to nothing more than me. Okay. I'm right there with you guys, but if I'm going to do this and I'm going to report and I'm going to have a show and I, you know, I'm not here to blow smoke up your butts. Okay. I mean, I I think the, the way I just went through it is a very honest assessment of where the team and the program are right now. Okay. And that's, uh, that doesn't mean they can't win nine or ten games this year. I think they can. I, in fact, I think anything less than getting to Charlotte is a disappointment. That doesn't mean that they're going to be at their best on Saturday night. Okay? And, 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 and Florida is further along as a team.
3: Okay. You're, you're making Felipe Franks have to be like Tim Tebow. The
1: did you watch his last two games, Greg?
3: Last year. Yeah, I did. They played Florida State uh, pathetic team and they played Michigan who met their best players didn't even play in that game Rashawn Gary and Devin Bush you can't go by that Felipe Franks was on the bench a few times last year he's not that great Gary okay next next thing the bottom line is we have not had a good quarterback, in this, a professional quarterback that went on to the NFL and did anything since Vinny Testaverde. How long? That's 33 years, Gary. It's about time we had a quarterback that can get the job done, okay? Not Brad Kaya, not Malik Rozier. We need somebody who can, who's a good passer, and we have a better offensive coordinator this year. Do you agree? Absolutely. And you've got a quarterback who's a very, he's a very
1: accurate, Greg, he's a very accurate passer. And, you know, I, I, I think that, well, I think that he had some maturity issues last year. And I think Mark Rick was sending him a message. Let me tell you something. When Mark Rick recruited Jaron Williams, he, I mean, he, I, I, I remember discussing it with him. He loved Jaron Williams. Okay. He thought Jaron Williams was going to be a, a very good quarterback. Okay. Jaron Williams shows up is getting suspended, you know, doing different things that he shouldn't be doing. Uh, and I think Mark Richt was sending him a message for the for the for the sake of his overall development um, that you need to get your act together if you want to play college football. And they didn't need Jared Williams to play last year. OK, they, they had Malik, they had Nikozi. Uh, who, who was in his second year and, and, you know, they didn't need Jaron Williams to play last year. And I think Mark Rick was sending him a message. I mean, think about it. Why wouldn't he have played him in the bowl game? You know, I mean, that, that was a no brainer and he still didn't put him out on the field. Now he's not going to comment on that, but I'm reading the tea leaves and I'm thinking I'm, to myself, Mark Rick was, was sending Jaron Williams a message that would benefit Jaron Williams for the next four years. And here we are six months later, and he's the starting quarterback. So maybe it worked. You know, we're, we're all so quick all the time to just pile on Mark Richt. And he had as bad a head coaching year last year as I've ever seen, Greg. I, uh, no argument for me. But this whole notion that everything was his fault and everything he did was wrong, I mean, that's just not fair, and, and that's not accurate. And I think he was sending Jaron a message.
3: Okay. Based on what you've seen in practice, does this look like a set better- conditioned football team? I've only seen yes. pictures of some of these guys.
1: Absolutely. They are in great shape. I don't think getting tired is going to be an issue for this team. Okay. The only guy I uh, saw we- that looked out of shape to me was Trayvon Hill, and that's because he was out of shape. You know, he, he was, he's coming off some injuries. He couldn't work the way he needed to work. Certainly he was not working close to how these other guys were working, and it, you could tell. I mean, he was, he was winded constantly. But, no, okay, these kids I'll are in good shape. With... They've worked very hard. Da- okay, um, good. David Feely is an absolute stud.
3: Uh, I'll leave you with this. I'll take it off the air. How can we prevent Miami from being a a placeholder for these recruits? We lost 13 four-star recruits in this class already. I'll take it off the air. Thank you.
1: All right. Um, my uh, My answer to that would be... How about raising the standards of recruiting? How about going out and fighting for some of these elite players that haven't made decisions yet? I mean, that—that that, you know—that that's my answer. I mean, why rush to fill up a recruiting class with 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 second tier guys, um, guys that you know you're hoping are Zion Nelson? you know, that you can, that are off the radar that you can, that you can develop, you, you know, I mean, that that's what I would do. You know, you want to, you want to fill up the linebacker spots or, you know, just fill them up. Or do you want to, you know, go after guys like, um, you know, flow out in California, for example, who they are recruiting by the way, but you know I'm just saying like i I think that's what has to happen yeah, this program needs more elite players on campus it it just does. um I was talking to a longtime coach today who's coached um both at the college and pro level um and he said to me he he said coaching is so overrated he says it's it's about dudes it's about players uh and and i don't disagree with that i mean i think coaching is obviously important but to me the most important thing in college football is recruiting and you look at the way the teams that are winning are, 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 are recruiting and there's no secret why they're at the top year after year after year i mean it's just ridiculous if you're looking at uh, georgia and clemson and alabama right now i mean georgia has five elite offensive linemen, some of the best dudes in the country on their commitment list now. I, I mean, to me, like, you got to tr- – even though it's go- it would be hard, if you could just get one of those guys, it's going to make the program so much better. And I just think that there needs to be more of a fight for those kind of guys and then come back to so th- th- some of these other guys who you can, you don't have to commit to so early. And then what happens is they commit. And other schools start recruiting them and getting on them. And uh, that's why you see this wave of decommitments. You know, like right now, LSU is all over these Northwestern kids, you know, that Miami's hoping are going to be the nucleus of the recruiting class in 2021. LSU is all over these guys. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I think Miami's still in pretty good shape, Um, but that's how I would deal with it. I would raise the bar. In, in recruiting. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, let's go out now to the 786. You're live on Paint Sport Live.
4: Gary, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing great. Is this everything?
4: This is everything.
1: What's up, man? How you been?
4: Just wanted to share a few thoughts with you. I like the new format. Uh, number one, you, you mentioned Especially, especially with that Snapchat, you, that snap you, you you gave us, I think that was a great look at everything. Jeez, that was pretty much everything in a nutshell. A lot of the stuff that I've echoed over here in the past, which is never well received, but that's a different conversation. Uh, the reality is we are what we are. And you're, you're mentioning now that we have to be able to get to raise the bar. Let me tell you something. We've been trying to raise that bar for 16 years. The problem is we can't compete with those guys because we don't cheat. And when we do, we get caught. Can't compete with those guys because then isn't a coach that has the cojones to take another co- school's coach and kick their ass somewhere. And that's the way it used to be, Gary.
1: And if you don't well, you them, also need alpha recruiters. Ask you
4: gotta have
1: You got to have alpha recruiters on your, on your staff. You, you got to have you got to have a handful of those guys.
4: This is Miami, Gary. Okay, that's all I need to tell you. This is Miami. There are people here that when you get here, whether you arrive at opa Airport or Hollywood International Airport or wherever you land, they will find you, and they will make sure that you don't come back. And that's the stuff that, if you don't believe me, that it goes on in the SEC, you're crazy. Because what these kids are doing, they are pimping these major boosters, and those guys are getting tired of it too. The fact that somebody was offering this kid $300,000 the other day, what does that tell you about where we're at? We need to have someone here that can flex his muscle. Now, so far, Manny has said everything we want to hear. He really has. But it doesn't mean a damn thing until you can, you're able to coach your guys up to actually dominate people in front of them. And, and, and we don't have enough of the Johnnies and Joes. Now, I don't care how much we pay Enos. We are what we are. And when I said back in the front, we're going to be a 7-5, and 8-14 at best, we're still there. Everything you just talked about confirms what I've been saying. Now,
1: hopefully we're both wrong. But well, I not. think they can win nine games. I think because of the schedule, they can win nine games. I mean, if you had to go to Boston College again this year and Virginia and play some of those road games that they played last year, uh, I don't know that I would I would be, be as confident in nine or ten. I'd probably be saying eight maybe, but uh, there's no reason that they can't win all of – now, they're, not, they're probably not going to win every game, but there's no reason – after Saturday night, that they shouldn't be favored or or close to favored in every single game they play. There's just not that many well, good teams this year.
4: There aren't that many good teams, but you've got too many guys having to play when they're not ready. You've got you've got no depth at linebacker. You've got an offensive line that yeah you know you could go position by position up with the turds, and guess what? Their offensive line is just as bad as our offensive line.
1: To be honest with you, they,
4: they've got to combine what 25, 26 starts. What do we have to combine with this group? I, is, you know, they
1: have a few more older kids, I think. I don't have their depth chart right in front of me, but they have a few older kids on older, the old line. But, but, but play experience makes is a no difference. For it.
4: But there's no substitution for it. So you're coming in with that can fully nullify itself. Then you look at the defensive line. You just talked about it earlier. John Ford's no will. <laughs> he's not. And all the scouts that have been coming to watch which this year is the most scouts we've ever had come to watch practice, they're not, they're not looking at him, by the way. They're not. He's not a central figure. The guys are looking are at that, are that linebacking core. So you look at where we're at. We don't have much, Gary. The defensive tackles are not good enough.
1: To no, I, listen, I line. understand. But, you know, I don't understand why Greg's yelling at me. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not going to come on and do a show like this and, and lie to everybody. Listen, I, I wish I was sitting here saying that they were elite at every position. Okay, there's a lot of very good players in the program, no question about it. There are not a lot of elite players in the program, and that'll only get you so far.
4: And, and you can't get depth with elite kids unless you're out there doing one of the three things, and we don't do those things.
1: See, I don't, I don't, I, get- I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that quite to the degree. I, I mean, there's going to be some kids that are only going to go where they're paid or whatever. I, uh, you know, obviously that's. That's the reality in college football right now. But I don't subscribe to this. I think that's a cop-out. You know, oh, geez, I can't we, – we can't recruit elite players because they're, they're going to get bought and we don't cheat.
4: Well, but if you don't cheat, what must you do, Gary? You've got to be some type of figure, and an a you, lovable you. figure for the outsiders and for the people of this community that they want. They're lining up just to go to your freaking camp. They're lining up regardless of how good they are. That's not the case. We don't have a central figure like that running this program. He's a great young kid, but you need that next power. You need that next guy that ends up convincing everybody this is the place to be, and those that come from the outside, I'll let you take who I let you take. You're not going to take what I want to keep. That's the mentality you have to have.
1: Well, look, I mean, I used to – look at the basketball program. Okay, Uh, they're able to recruit, you know, good players. They're they're not they didn't buy Lonnie Walker and Bruce Brown and those guys like they're able to recruit good players. Um, This Isaiah Wong kid who's coming in as a true freshman this year, from what I've heard from the European trip. I mean, that kid was virtually unstoppable over there. I mean, he's going to be a very, very good, good player. And like, you know, they're able to recruit guys that are difference makers into that into the basketball program where the cheating is even worse than football. So, like, why? I think it's a cop out, okay? And, you know, I I think the onus is on the university to hire a good enough coaching staff, and we will see as time goes by whether this staff is good enough to hire a good enough coaching staff with good enough recruiters that you could go out and you can battle it out for good players. I mean, you, you know, you, you still have a lot of very good things going for yourself here at Miami. And I see one guy in particular standing above and out there battling for difference-making players. And that's Steve field, the tight end coach. And he has some existing relationships with a couple of elite guys and he's out there fighting for flow in Washington. Okay, flow the linebacker from California, Washington, the tight end from Vegas, might not get either one of them, Okay, but he's in the final four for both. Katie, okay, so why aren't we in the final four for more elite guys? That would be my, that, that's, that's my observation, and I would like to see the bar raised higher.
4: Well, the only way that can happen is the three things we just talked about, Gary, and I, I pray that we're able to dominate and beat the crap out of these guys on Saturday, and, and every kid that we have, that's young that has to play makes a big play in the game, and we're not going to miss the depth of having a kid like Smith and Bessel leave. I, got, I wish I could say all things are going to come to fruition, and they might, but the odds are definitely not in our favor, and the Vegas is, agrees with us. And in terms of quarterback race and all that, what people don't understand is when you have a freshman, they come in and mature. Then they don't play. Then they pout. And especially this genre of kids that we're dealing with, this era. You know, it's all the immediate era. Need it now. And this kid did come in mature. And he did make some mistakes. But the one thing that impressed me about this kid was how he physically changed his body. Was all three quarterbacks starting at the same level of Enos. And him always being in there. Now, a few practices that I went to. The spring, the spring uh, practices and scrimmages that I went to, I could tell you, and I told you flat out, that kid can't throw the ball. Ohio nope. State was dying for him to take over the offense last year. He just couldn't get it done because he couldn't, he wasn't consistent in practice. Yeah, and that's why he barely played, and that's why he wasn't the quarterback there. Let's be honest. So.
1: All right, everything. I got to I gotta let you go. Let you go. Uh, sorry to cut you off, I, but I, I made Don't a vow worry, to everybody that we're, we're not going to get long-winded uh, right now, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. I'm going to tell you, call back next week. Great points as always, and uh, let's see what happens Saturday night. We'll talk about it more next week.
4: Final score, Gary. What do you think? Final score.
1: I am not making any predictions. I'm hoping for the best.
4: 10-9, 10-9 turns, unfortunately. Take care, Gary.
1: Ten nine. Yep. right, uh, there'll be more points scored in that game than that. But all right, man, thanks we'll for see. being part of the show as always. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the number 1 on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary. 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 What's up, Ross? Don't waste your time with the Garys, okay? You, uh, I'm sure you got a list. so You have got to get to it quick. Go. Why are
5: you attacking me? You don't attack nobody else the same way you just attack me. So, you, because I, I know, you know you have a long, long list,
1: and and we're and we're not going on for ten minutes this year. So let's go. Go. How Shoot. do you know go. I got a list?
5: I might just be yeah, the right thing. Up.
1: Come on, Ross. You already wasted thirty seconds. Go. A
5: load of you, hello to you too, man. That's not even. I don't. I don't. I don't nah, man. Good. No, it's I'm good here, and it's it's
1: it's great to hear you. It's great to hear from you again. No, seriously. I love that's I love better, when you call man. I love when you call in I just gotta I, I made a promise to everybody that I would you know and, and 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 the the target of of the critiques and stuff was guys like you that and ain't everything me. That's
5: and that's
6: you guys cause, that's are, cause, you guys are great everything. callers
1: but but people just me. want the people want quicker calls anyway. so go so, all right all what do right.
5: you got shout out to shout out to everything man I kind of like some of the stuff you just said I just don't like the if you guys sound like seesaws man but anyway um. Thanks for having the show again, man. Just want to open up by asking you this, man. Hey, listen, Gary, if you had to think about it, if you had to come like in your first couple of days going around practice and 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 just looking at what's being shown, what what was the most impressive thing that you saw that allowed you to say, you know what, this is going to be much different than I have seen in the last three or four years. What 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 was that? What was that one thing?
1: it would be the way the kids are responding to David Feely. I mean, other than that, quite honestly, it's not that different. I mean, I, I, I like um, Butch Barry as an offensive line coach. I, he looks, he looks significantly better to me than Stacy Searles was. Um, so I, I think the look of that is different and really good. Uh, obviously Dan Eno's coaching the quarterback. She can't even begin to compare to John Richt, I mean, let's be honest, um, that's that's significantly different. Uh, but you know, the way and, and the way Enos runs practice, I think, is significantly different. Um, obviously, everything on the defensive side looks the same. Uh, but the one thing that sticks out like a sore thumb is the enthusiasm that the kids on this team have for the strength and conditioning program. And that's David Feely, and he gets the credit for that. I mean, he's made it fun to go in there and work. Uh, they work very hard, but he's found different ways to motivate those kids and let it be a good time when they're in there. So and that would be the big, that, biggest thing.
5: And hopefully, that and hopefully that helps us in that fourth quarter of this game. And 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 uh, your, your points for yours is because that the, the fact that everybody wants to play in this game, everybody wants to play this game, but the one thing it does to a program. Is if you know, especially with uh, teams like us right now, where we're kind of like you know hurting for um, certain players at certain spots, it's going to beat us up a little bit. And, and and being in shape and and being mentally tough and prepared for for the fourth quarter will help us, and it'll help us re- with our recovery because we're going to have that week off before we go see um Carolina. So um you know I I love the fact that that was one of your that's one of your your best answer because you know, it was kind of like in the ballpark where I was going um if I. My wild moment was just looking at the guys and just looking at how much, you know, better in shape they were. Um, I think uh, to make a comment about um, Tate, um, the quarterback from Iowa State, I think one of the things Manny and the rest of the crew had in mind was this. I don't think they knew that he couldn't throw the ball. I don't think they really had a good idea what he was, what really was they just wanted a guy to come in and push the group that they was about to do. They just, yeah, I, I think they to took the best guy that, they could find in, in the portal. They yeah, took the best they just guy they could find. Another them. guy. They wanted another yeah. guy that's going to come in and attack that room. And, yes. and, 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 and Gary, you, you, you and, and if Jalen come Hurts
1: comes, Ross, if Jalen Hurts comes, Tate Martell's not he here. He starts. He starts. Yeah. But here's, here's the thing to yeah. know.
5: Here's the thing that you, you know, I know you want me to stay away from this a little bit. I know you want your audience to stay away from this a little bit, but you know, um, you kind of like every now and then try to, you know, you know, do a good word or two for Mark Rick and his son. But one, if you listen to Manny over the summer no, and the
1: spring. No, Mark Rick, not his son. I, I, his, the, okay, the, the, Rick, the fact well, that, that his part, son so gotta, was coaching and recruiting quarterbacks here for three years turned out to be totally ridiculous. And I, I am okay.
0: so and, surprised and that Mark
1: work. really wanted to do that. I'm sure it didn't go as well as he hoped it would. Um that was a bad move. That was a mistake by him. And and, 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 and Gary,
5: know. Mark Rick, who everybody respect and love. He's still a grown man that allowed that to happen. So while you're only going to blame the son, you have to blame the dad no.
1: because the decision, okay, we're going to do I, I just all I'm saying is every, every single thing that's been wrong is not just Mark Rick's fault. It is that's
5: not it is, it is not him. It is it's not just him, but what you but he didn't help by doing certain things and having certain things. Okay, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm scrambling a little bit, but, you you know, but just listening to you when you were talking earlier, going back to the game that we probably should never have played anyway against Wisconsin, that week, Gary, and you're going to challenge me on this, but that's fine because I got people in Miami too. That week, Williams practiced almost like he was the starter, Gary. That's fact. You know why I know that fact? Because Rozier... Admitted to that, he said, "I wasn't even the one that took most of the snacks for that ball game. It was Williams, and he ended up not starting." So those are the things. Okay, that's, that, not, that totally true, the...
1: okay, that's not totally even, true, Ross, because Nikozy wasn't wasn't okay. wasn't even so supposed to play. Okay, it, it, Rozier was always <laughs> going to play.
5: Okay. But let's not like, argue about that. Rose. That's
1: last year. Ross, I'm going to give you okay. one more point. What do you want to make? Go. One more. No, no,
5: that's unfair by you there because you, you're calling Rozier a liar because he won on, a t- t- I, a M- on the top. I'm not arguing with
1: thing. you about Malik Rozier in last year. That's a waste of our time. One more point well, okay. about this year.
5: But one I more point. But I point because I wasn't, wasn't going to allow you just to All say right. Say you made that. it. What Go.
1: One more point. What okay. else you
5: got? Um, other things is this too, man. Hey, you're, you're criticizing the fact that the offensive line is being um, – is coming in and we're going to have fresh ones on the line. Guess what? we got to start somewhere. And if I'm going to trust anyone, I'm going to go ahead and trust this offensive line of coach because the reason why I'm going to trust him is because I'm going to trust him because, man, he's trusting him. And I don't, I don't necessarily care about us dominating in the first time around. These guys, what I respect about them. Totally agree,
1: Rob. Totally agree with you. Just don't expect it to hold up on Saturday night. That's all I'm but, saying. Because but it, pro- it, for- it probably won't. But beyond that, Gary, I totally agree with you. I mean, build with Gary, these young guys I'll, and start building some. And, and they'll be good enough respect, in most of the games they play. We
5: they'll we be respect good enough. While we respect your show, we're just not going to let you take our joy away from watching them play well. Because you're telling us, we're going to All right, Ross, well. I'm you're done. I'm
1: not taking any joy away. We'll t- call in okay. next week, okay? All right, man. We'll be we right. talking to you. I'm not taking joy away. I'm giving you a, a, an honest assessment of what I think where I think the team is and I'm saying, I think they can win nine or 10 games this year. I'm not being a negative Nancy on purpose. I I mean, if they win nine or 10 games this year and get to Charlotte, that's a pretty damn good season for a team that's in the situation they're in right now. That's switching coaches, has a freshman quarterback, all types of turmoil on the O line. Doesn't really have a dominant defensive tackle questionable ish, um, questionable situations all over the secondary Um, no depth for special teams. I mean, come on, man. I'm just giving it to you straight. I'm not trying to take your joy away. Come to the damn game on Saturday night. Cheer your butt off. Just understand that if it doesn't go well, that's why it's not going well. And that doesn't mean it, it will not go well the rest of the season. All right, guys, let's take a moment to talk about one of my favorite restaurants in South Florida, a place I find time to visit, in every single corner of town, and um, that's Sicilian Oven, and yes, they are back as part of Cane Sport Live, one of the best and rapidly expanding dining concepts in all of South Florida, and um, I don't have to tell you about all the different places that you can go eat Italian food, where you can get pizza and pasta, I mean, there's one on there every, every single corner, but there is no place, and I mean no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has those six locations spread out throughout the South Florida area. Closest one to me is actually the location in Plantation. I stop in there for lunch all the time. I eat their pizza lunch specials. It's always so good that I got to be a good husband and and bring a pie home for my wife. And and, um, I always bring one home for dinner. At Sicilian Oven, they offer a new way of dining with a philosophy that is based on the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu, and uh, many of those recipes have been handed down from generation to generation of the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. It begins with those classic pizzas I just talked about, with traditional toppings, and expands to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you're going to find at the nearest corner at places like uh, Domino's, you know, Papa John's, and those kind of places. You love wings. Sicilian Oven's wood-fired rings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions. Sicilian Oven also offers a wide array of specialty dishes, from eggplant carbonato and parmigiana to mussels Mario fire-roasted shrimp palermo. They have soups, sandwiches, salads, pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you'll find something great at Sicilian Oven with, over, with six locations spread out throughout the South Florida area. When you're on your way to hard rock stadium this year go by that plantation location that i just talked about it's at the fountains complex off university drive or you can also go to the aventura location which is at 205th and biscayne depending on where you're coming from you need a place to eat great food and watch a road game go to one of these sicilian locations they have them in lighthouse point coral springs on sample road and 101st and in boca raton that lighthouse point location was just expanded um it, It's in the Beacon Light Shops Complex. They put a brand-new outdoor dining area there that is just absolutely spectacular. That might be a good one for you to try sometime. And then the location on Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale, has a full liquor bar. So, um, you know, you can uh, spend some time there, watch games, eat some good food. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian Oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You'll not only love the taste, you will taste the love. And um, coming up pretty soon in the show, we're going to have that uh, Sicilian Oven point counterpoint segment with uh, Bruce Warner. I'm going to call him – I used to call him the answer man. I'm going to call him the voice of the fan now. I I'm, you know, I, the answer, man, I know, it kind of needs some freshening up. So we're going to call him the voice of the fan. He'll be coming on again this year with a surprise former player each week. And we'll be getting to that segment here on the show probably in about 15 minutes or so. So let's get back to your calls. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633 is the number. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go out now to the 305. You are live on Kane Sport Live.
7: Hey, Gary. How are you this evening?
1: Hey, what's up, Adam? How are you doing this year?
7: Good. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I just have a couple questions to ask. Um, you didn't cover this. Did Jaron Williams throughout, like, fall camp really start to separate himself at all? Or was it just neck and neck with Perry and Martell fading to the background?
1: Um, I, I don't think I would call it massive separation. I don't think, I think he was steady. I I, I compared him to a golfer that plays the U S open and makes pars. Um, oh, okay. you know, that's, that, you know, that's so, the, that's what I would compare him to. And and he, he just was very steady and consistent and that won over Nicosi.
7: Uh, Okay. Um, And also, um, and I heard this rumor on either, I think it was 24-7 sports. Has there been any discussion about Martel transitioning to either wide receiver or like a wide receiver slash tight end? Yeah,
1: yeah, he's, he's playing around there. I mean, let's be honest, his chances of being a college quarterback at this level are not real good. I think he's starting to realize that at this point. Um, and he wants to be a football player, so he's probably thinking, Okay, well, let me maybe see how I do as a receiver here for the next few months, try to get my degree from Miami, and then make a decision uh okay
7: um and um two more questions one, um do you see like any difference in the build up or the way this team was this year going into the Florida game versus last year? going into the LSU game? Or was that very, I think the same sense
1: of... Um, I think last year going go into the LSU game, I, I, I think we had a much rosier outlook, let's be honest. I mean, we thought that that team last year was going to be massively better than it ended up being. Um, and I think that the players themselves felt like they were going to be a lot better than what they were. And I think the shock of getting beaten as badly as they were beaten by LSU I think impacted that team for the entire season and I was a little surprised at the degree of hype this offseason I mean I understood what Manny was trying to do I I mean he took over a program that had just had a horrible you know last month or two of the season and is trying you know now he's taken over and he's trying to Kind of do a rebrand and change the public impression of the program and try to get recruiting going a little bit and things like that. So I kind of understood the whole new Miami thing and and all that. Um, I was a little surprised after the way they went through last year with all the hype and build up and anticipation that and and the way that it evolved and and my personal opinion. Of how it had a psychological and emotional effect on the team that carried over through the rest of the season, I was a little surprised at the degree of it this year. You know, it, it's been pretty uh, intense now uh, on social media and, and and that, and it puts a lot of pressure on Saturday night. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, and uh, like I said, I hope it goes well. I mean, we all do, but there's a million reasons why it might not. You know, and so I was a little surprised that it was as intense as it was, but you know we'll see what happens. Hey, maybe they go out and okay. play a perfect game, and Florida stumbles around a little bit and they 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 steal a victory and if that happens it's I'm telling you it's it's the greatest accomplishment in 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 yeah. a, a, it's as big an accomplishment as any of this program's had in a long time
7: yeah um and last thing, and you mentioned it briefly with recruiting uh what's the update with Isaiah Walker? Um, because I know he decommitted from South Carolina, and it looks like it's a big three battle. Do you have any insight on where he's leaning? If we're in the lead, if we're because I heard somewhere that we were running second to Florida, actually in well, the tournament.
1: Here's what I don't like. Okay, and I'm just gonna be on. I'm gonna be honest as I always am. Isaiah Walker is going to that game on Saturday night mm-hmm. as an invited Florida recruit. Okay. This kid is as big a priority as anybody right now. Yeah. Why is he going? He spent an enormous amount of time on campus and stuff this summer, and where? Why is he going to the game in Orlando at the invite of Florida, sitting in the Florida recruiting section? Mm-hmm. You know, you know yeah. it's that's not a great thing. You know. No.
7: Well, hopefully we so can we'll see we'll see i right. mean
1: i i I think that I think that you know they're right in there with him uh if he has Florida a little bit ahead right now, that would not surprise me at at all okay, but you know, I think that'll be a battle to the end, but okay, not a good sign to me that he's going to the game in Orlando as a florida as a Florida recruit uh,
7: okay, well, those are my questions, Gary. Have a great rest of the show.
1: All right, Adam. Thank you for being part of the show. Let's go out to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live.
8: Hey, what's up, Gary? BK Hurricane.
1: Hey, what's up, BK? How you doing, man? I uh, hope you had a good summer.
8: Uh, uh, yeah, it was all right. It was pretty good. I didn't do much, but um <laughs> I just wanted to touch on, you know, like I'm trying to keep like optimistic about the about the season and everything. And I know 9 and 10 wins sounds good. But I wouldn't be happy losing, like, three games to anybody in the Coastal right now. It's just that bad. I mean, I can understand Florida. I can understand Florida.
1: I don't think they should lose to anybody in the Coastal. That's my opinion.
8: I know, but I know we're trying to stay optimistic and saying nine or ten wins. But, I mean, past Florida, I mean, maybe Florida State only because it's a rivalry game. But after that, my goodness gracious.
9: I can't. I can't find. Oh
8: my God, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know we're all trying to be optimistic. Last year we went into the LSU game, all rah rah. I remember talking to you. Ah, oh, nah. Troy ran up and down on 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 LSU. It was going to be a cakewalk, and we got blown out of the water. <laughs> but um, I, I'm just hoping they could salvage something with Florida and kind of like. I think 10 wins, maybe 11 is the sweet spot in terms of recruiting because I don't know how much longer we could keep up taking these recruiting hits, you know? It's it's, yeah. it's starting to pile up. The decommitments are starting to become embarrassing. The number of decommitments are other people's entire recruiting classes. It's starting to, it's starting to get a little ridiculous with the number of decommits we're having, but I wanted to touch on one thing in particular, and I'm going to let everybody go. This is Donnell Harris' um, um, situation that's going on. I'm beginning to think something is up with this kid because schools like Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia are telling them, sorry, kid, we don't have any room for you. I mean, mm. is that their level of recruiting, that they're telling a kid that's quote-unquote South Florida can't miss kid, that kid, we don't have any room for you? Where now he's got Texas a- Texas A&M? You know, in the driver's
1: seat. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that really following not, him. Or
2: is that just me? Or
8: it, just, yeah,
1: I that don't that know. Me? I'm not following him very closely, to be honest with you. You know, we're, we're not in the mix for him, so
8: we're not in the mix at all for this kid. I don't think so. I don't know. I think I think he's going to fall into our laps just for the simple fact that he can't go to the school he really wants to go to. He's going to say, "Screw it, I might as well stay home."
1: Maybe. I mean, maybe it changes. I mean, maybe. That's 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 just how I feel.
8: Well, all right, well Gary, listen, I just wanted to call the show support. So uh, I'll, I'll call back, I guess, when uh, next week, two weeks, or something like that. Like when yeah, next, next week show? we'll
1: be back. We'll be we'll be back next Tuesday. Night. All right,
8: I'll be more prepared next week. All right, Gary, talk to you then. All right,
1: man, thanks for calling in, BK. All right, before um before we get to our Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment, um, there is I believe somebody very special on the line. I'm gonna. I'm going to see if I can bring her in. Um, All the hype, the indoor practice facility, uh, it it obviously would not have happened if not for the generosity of Carol Sofer. And um, the thing you don't know, because she's always shy and doesn't call in on the show is she's one of the biggest fans uh, that could possibly exist. I mean, lives and dies every minute um, for every single thing that this team does 365 days a year. Uh, So, I talked her into coming on the show tonight, and I think she's on the other line. Carol, are you with us?
0: Yes, I am. I'm right here. All right. I, I, I,
1: I'll tell you, we, we've, we've got a full board, and I had a search for what I thought was your number, and I got it. So welcome to Kane Sport Live. I, I know that everyone is so thrilled to, to hear from you and uh, couldn't have enough appreciation for what you've done for the program.
0: Well, I just want to say hi to you and all your listeners and tell all of you that I'm I'm really looking forward to the season. I know some of you are a little bit concerned, but, you know, I I always look at the glass half full, and it's a new year and a new season. We have a a great new coach, and I know because I've been out to watch these kids practice all summer and into the fall, and I know how they've been working so hard, and um, I feel very optimistic. I think we're going to have a good season. And um, I want all of us to be supportive of our team. Listen, we're going to have some ups and some downs, but I think we're going in the right direction, and I think that, you know, we're moving forward. Like I said to my friend the other day, I said, you know, our our defense is basically the same, but we have a brand-new offense with a brand-new, you know, offensive coordinator, and there are going to be some mistakes, but I think we're really, really – Going to surprise some people this year, and um, I just think we're going to do do a lot better than we did last year at least that 's my hope
1: you know when when you started the conversations with the athletic department and mark and 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 got deep into this indoor practice facility, did you even imagine how much they would end up using it i i, I mean it's been it, it was raining quite a bit in the early stages of the fall camp and and they would have had a, you know, had a lot of turmoil with their practice schedules and things like that if they didn't have the practice facility. And um, they're really getting a lot of use out of it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, they use it all the time. I mean, at the very beginning, the first practice that they had when they went back to fall camp, they blew the horn and they had to bring the kids inside. Had we not had the indoor practice facility, they would have had to take off their shoes and they would have had to run to a gym. They probably would have gotten half a practice, if any practice at all. Now they don't skip a beat. I mean, they just run inside, the doors go up, and they go inside the indoor. I was just there recently, and it's it's looking better and better every time i go and i'm so proud of the fact that me and my and my family and all the other people who joined in after we made the initial donation to make this facility happen is like a real godsend because it changes the whole dynamic of our whole athletic department and i i know when recruits come they're overwhelmed i mean they have no idea what's you know what they were going to be getting into and what they were going to get to see and it's not yet complete I mean there's still a few things that need to be finished but every time I come back I just I get goosebumps because it's so incredible it really is I believe that it's one of the nicest if not the nicest indoor practice facility as a facility in the country yeah, it absolutely
1: is. You know, it doesn't have all the silly stuff like slides and mini golf courses and all that. They didn't, they wouldn't have had room for that if they wanted it. But for a functional pure football facility for the team to practice and work in the off season and, and have events, you know, recruiting events and things like that, uh it it is. It's absolutely spectacular. Now, I started out the show. I know you weren't listening, but I started out the show and I gave my rundown of the team. And I, I went through you know, the whole thing. And I was very honest with everybody of what I see and and, and and where I think the strengths are, where I think, you know, there's things to work on and, and what kind of season I think the team can have and that kind of thing. Um, one of the benefits, Carol, of having your name up on the side of the building next to the practice field and obviously the indoor practice facility is you have an open pass to go to practice. So before we let you go, what is the Carol Sofer... Um, forecast for this Miami Hurricanes team this year. You know, what do do you think we're going to see starting Saturday night and through the season?
0: I, I am very cautiously optimistic. I, you know, I mean, I have a lot of faith in Manny. I think Manny has done an incredible job. Since the moment that he took this job, he's been working nonstop and the like you've said the players really believe in him he's hired an amazing staff i have been to many practices i have watched the staff they work they are really working and they are teaching these kids i didn't see that in the past and i'm i'm very optimistic i would i love to say we're going to win 12 games of course but i mean i you know i don't i don't there's no crystal ball we could win on saturday night I want us to be competitive. That's what I really want to see us do. We're playing on the national stage. I want people to look at us and say, gee, this team is really coming around, and I hope that we win. This is, of course, what my greatest joy would be. But I really, I mean, my feeling is we're going to win our division. I think we're going to win our coastal division. That is my my, my thought.
1: I totally agree. I think that nine wins is the bar. And and I think that winning the Coastal is what this season is about. And, yeah, it it would be a great bonus to beat the Gators. Obviously, they're still the Gators, even though the the series isn't an every year kind of thing. To me, when we're sitting here in December, this season is going to be judged by whether or not that first weekend Miami's playing in Charlotte. And I think that's fair.
0: Yes. And you know, we all have to support our team. We all have to be and rally around Jaron, rally around him and the rest, uh, especially our offense. And I think our defense is our defense, and I think they're going to they're going to stand up for the you know like they always have in the past. And I I really believe that you know if we need, he needs a little you know he's he might be a little bit nervous on on Saturday night, which is to be expected. But I think he's going to grow and learn, and I, I really believe that we're going to do really well this year. That's just how I feel. So let's all call, cross our fingers. Let's go up to, to Orlando and just have a good time and enjoy, and hopefully we'll come back with a big win. I would, nothing would make me happier.
1: All right. Well, you're spoiling us by coming on the show, so you've got to <laughs> promise us that this is not going to be the last time.
0: Okay. Well,
1: you you, um, you made it through. You, you came through it with flying colors.
0: <laughs> and and, <laughs> and you got to pro.
1: You got you got you, you must promise us this will be the not the last time this year you give us a visit on Tuesday night.
0: I I will. I will. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing all of you up in Orlando, and of course during the season at all the games. And let's go, Canes. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right, Carol, thank you so much for being thank part of the you. show.: Thank you. Carol Sofer, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful thing she did for the Miami football program in um, making the seed donations to that indoor practice facility, because uh, had they not had that, this, this, this program would look a lot different today i'm telling you i mean just just a just a major 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 addition to the whole portfolio of what they have to offer out out there um not just to the to recruits which is obvious but how about the current players and giving them the best facilities and 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 the best environment for them to work on their own game and and get better and improve themselves and uh Just a magnificent thing that Carol Sofer did, and I'm glad her name's on the building. And it'll be there forever, and it deserves to be. So I thank her so much for being part of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I do. All right, so now we're going to do the Sicilian Oven um, point, counterpoint uh, segment, uh, a favorite of mine. Certainly last year, it's always great to hear from all the former players that have come on. Uh, this year with um, Bruce Warner, who I told you, I'm not going to call him the answer man anymore. Bruce is now officially the voice of the fan. Okay. And, um, and this week, um, he's going to be joined by a guy that can really relate to what Jaron Williams is going to go through making his first start on Saturday night and um, what he's going to be facing in Camping World Stadium. And That's Ryan Collins, who played quarterback for the Canes from 1992 to 95. He was a young quarterback in 1993, and Frank Costa was struggling, and the offense was stagnant. And Dennis Erickson decided that he was going to turn to Collins to rejuvenate things. And um, Ryan came in in his first game and he responded by leading the canes to a 49 nothing victory over syracuse okay if jaron williams can 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 come close to that on saturday night i think we're all going to be happy and uh, ryan completed 16 of 20 passes in that game for 207 yards and a touchdown he carried three times for 18 yards and another touchdown and just played an absolutely spectacular game that day so Bruce Ryan. Welcome to Kane Sport Live, and um, we're going to let you take us back to 1993 when you stood in the same shoes that Jaron Williams stands in now and, and will on Saturday night. So, welcome to the show.
10: How you doing?
11: Yeah, thank great. Gary. Yeah, as, 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 you, as you said before, um, we will be bringing a lot of great former players, like we did last year. And, I know you hate when I throw out names, so I'll try to stay away from it. But yeah,
1: don't don't throw out names until you know they're, they're, everyone's not as reliable as Ryan. <laughs> well, so, but, but so, you, you
11: so, did you did see the text from the dancing bear, so he will be with us soon. Yeah, yeah, well, but we'll go we'll, we'll go one is. week
1: we'll we'll go one week at a time. We, we we've we've okay. got the man with us tonight. So well, Ryan knows who that is. So Ryan, talk to us. What, what was are you it like? expecting well, out of
11: Jaron Williams this week? What do you think's going through his mind? I mean, first of all, he was in a, in a quarterback competition that he's finally named last week, and he's going against the Gators at uh, a neutral site, which is really not a neutral site. What's going on in his brain?
10: Well, actually, I think Jaron was better than those guys anyway, so he finally got a chance. And um, when when he gets out there and he, he gets a chance to do his thing, he's going to be pretty good because I think that the knows guys so much better than what they were doing before. He's going to make it easy on him. Like, I know last year when I talked to you about it, he's going to – I mean, he's having a lot of movement in the offense, a lot of shifts and stuff. He's going to make it easy for Jordan to just get in a little group early on with little screens, get the ball out of his hands, pick these guys. Cause you know that Gators are going to play a lot of man-to-man there, and as you see, they're, the they're going to press. So hopefully these guys stack some guys and do some things to get them off balance, and I think they are.
11: Yeah, he's got to get into some sort of a rhythm. The last thing that the Canes need is to have pressure put on him, and he's he's forcing things and making bad reads and bad throws, which is kind of what happened to Nkosi uh, last year at, at the Virginia game. He just looked horrible early in the game. So you're 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 in agreement that he's going to probably try to get him in some sort of a rhythm early, uh, but definitely the movement. There was no movement last year. That was one of the major complaints from the fans, and I, I guess that's my new moniker now, the voice of the fans. And it, it was it was bad. You, you you couldn't even figure out. You couldn't even make anybody go in motion to see whether they're a zone, a man, what the hot read is. You couldn't figure any of those things out based on just the simplicity of last year's offense. Plus Ryan, I believe, there, and then Gary should. Back me on this. They're going to play a lot of the, the the running back in the eye, not standing next to a quarterback, you know, in a shotgun formation. Big difference. What are your thoughts on that?
10: Well, but I think you got to remember he had Jalen Hurts, so he's going to do a lot of things that he did with Hurts. But but Williams can throw better than Hurts, even though, remember, he developed Hurts. Now, Hurts went to Oklahoma, and he's starting over there. So this guy has to be pretty good at what he's doing. So he's going to be able to put these guys in a good situation. I bet they want everything. They're gonna go in the center. They're gonna go in shotgun. They're gonna run everything, whatever they need to do. I bet you the Canes offense is gonna be able to do that this year. It's not gonna be one get back there and be stagnant and just clap and I mean just do the clap and go. That's not gonna happen. I'm almost 100% sure that that when they get back there that this guy's gonna be able to make adjustments because he's shown that he could do that before when he's with Alabama and he's gonna take it. That's why Manny got him because I really believe in Manny for what he's trying to do. Because all Manny talked about before he got a coordinator was attacking defenses. So that's basically telling you that he was talking about what they were doing before he didn't like. He wasn't going to say that, but that's what happened.
11: Right. He wasn't wasn't going to say that, but he he practiced against it last year. He saw what he didn't want to see ever again.
10: Right. He wants to put pressure on defenses to make them think because they have to make mistakes. I'm I'm sure when they play teams like – when they play Notre Dame and some of those teams from before, Notre Dame, those teams put a lot of pressure on the defense because they run a lot of different formations, set, set receivers. They put them in motion and do a lot of different things. There might be one back, two back, going shotgun. You might see them in pistol. So I'm thinking that's going to be a lot of things that that, that the Hurricanes' offense is going to do because the defense did it. So why can't the offense do it? Put the yeah. pressure on these guys to learn. And all I hear Enos talking about is that the quarterbacks got so much better, that they learned. And that's all I keep hearing them say. So, from what I think's going to happen, I mean, they're going to be aggressive.
11: Now, we've heard Gary talk about the offensive line for the first hour and 15 minutes of this show, and it's true. They're inexperienced. They haven't played together. They have not played together as this guy at the left tackle, the left guard, the center, the right guard, the right tackle. We haven't seen them. Can we run the ball on a team like Florida who's attacks and is very aggressive? <laughs>
10: Yeah, but you can run the ball by helping them in a the passing game. I mean, like, you you got to keep them off balance. So that's when I say play calling comes in to help you. You can't just be predictable and just line up in one formation and let them dictate to you what's going on. So if you dictate to them and you have check with me and check with me as a run-pass option, and you put it in where, where you're moving these guys around doing that, you put pressure on the defense. If you can't do that, then – they're going to attack you guys, and you're going to look bad.
11: So you think maybe they're going to come out throwing short passes, screens, quick slants, things like that, to get uh, Florida on their heels a little bit, and then maybe run at them.
10: Yeah, but 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 it's going to all be determined on their looks. Right. So if they're, if they're really being aggressive doing what they're doing, they're going to probably call two plays at the line of scrimmage or whatever, um, hand signal them do whatever they're going to do. And then depending on how the defense lines up, the quarterback's going to get them in the right place, but it's all coming from the sideline.
11: Okay, so here's the follow-up to that. You were a young guy in 93. You faced Syracuse. I was at that game when you blew them out. Now, we've also seen LSU last year disguise defenses, and Rozier goes to the line. He sees one thing. He thinks, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to run, and they changed it. And that happened a lot. And in the NFL, yeah, the Patriots must- are great at that. So this is something that I think the defensive coordinator for Florida is probably going to throw at Jaron Williams. It's a chess match.
10: Yeah, but it, it is a test match, but your offense, I mean, they make the game for the offense now. It's not like back when I played when they can hold receivers and do everything else. They, you you can put pressure on these defenses by setting them up with plays. Like, they got all these guys that you can mimic and do all this masterful stuff by just being in base stuff and just, like, shortening formations, just moving guys in and out to make the defense move, and you're not even doing too much. Why are you doing this cutting split doing different things that are basic but then making the defense think and moving guys around to run the ball downhill off Right,
11: and, and Also, we've got those two really good tight ends and I think that's a major advantage for, for Miami in this game is uh, Mallory and definitely Brevin Jordan because they're going to be single covered I'm pretty sure and it, that may be the spot where Williams goes and uh, that may cause some issues for Florida's defense. They may have to put a, a safety over one of those guys and that'll free up somebody else but I, I think the offense this year, based on what you're saying and what Gary has said and what we've heard, is going to be dynamic. Can they perform on Saturday? Nobody knows right now. But I, I, I'm I'm glad that you you have confidence in what Enos can do, and that Jaron Williams will be able to do it as well because you did it.
10: Right. I mean, like we were above, we were ahead of our time when I when I did it back in '93. Like some of the teams caught up with us, but now these guys they have so much information. Like they these kids can watch film. At home. We couldn't do that before. Like, the quarterback can go home and sit in their bed like now and just sit up and watch film and watch game tape of what they think they're going to see.
1: Yeah, That's they all have iPads. And they
10: can watch what you're doing from practice. Yeah, you have iPads. I mean, it's not—it's really not fair. The information is there. It's not fair for what you can do offensively. Now, the defense is at such a disadvantage. If you have anybody at they office that can do anything, like this Jeff Thomas guy I think is going to have a be tremendous this year.
11: Well, he's probably going to get in a lot more situations than just downfield. I know they're going to have him in motion a lot, and they can they're have gonna, him in motion and give him the ball. Ways. They can have him in motion and not give him the ball. They could use him as look a look at Jerry decoy. Judy. Right.
10: Look at Jerry Judy. So he just had Jerry Judy. He had Calvin Ridley the year before that, and now he's coming to Miami. He has all this talent. I know the offensive line might be behind him a little bit, but you can help them with the play, call, play calling, with the running game to keep teams off balance, with play action throwing the ball in the flat, setting them up so you go downfield some, run crossing routes or pick routes, everything else. And all this stuff would come into play. And you could just – that's, that's all the Patriots do. That's all the that Alabama does. And then they throw down downfield sometimes because they have a guy that can really throw. That's it. And now look at Darren Williams. He's bigger than all of them. And he can so, move.
1: so, Ryan, you and Costa went at each other for multiple seasons. And it, it was – in the scope of that time in the program history, about as intense a quarterback situation. Uh, if I mean, we could look back to Bernie and Vinny when when they went at each other, but like you guys had a pretty intense competition, and I don't think it's too dissimilar too to what we've just seen here with Nikozi and Jaron. Just you know, a little different, but 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 there's a lot of similarities. I think. What what was that like for those two guys? And 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 talk about the the feeling of. Is it it a feeling of relief? Um, Does it feel like an elephant's come off your shoulders when when you get named the starter the way Jaron Williams has?
10: Yeah, but you got to remember, like, I really think with Jaron Williams, he really had a legitimate chance to play. For me, they didn't want me to play at first. They didn't think I was going to be able to throw a football. And then when I was throwing every day, because, I mean, I used to pitch, and play baseball in my life, they never knew that. So I could throw a football wherever I wanted to and be 100% accurate. So, they never thought I had a chance to play, so it shocks everybody. And then the players respect me because I watched them. But these guys here, Manny Diaz wants to win. For them, the main, main this guy's a starter. And you had a guy, Perry, who got 100% better than he was last year, even though I think he's, I mean, just me, myself, I don't think with his mind the way he is that he could play quarterback at that level and they could trust him. That's why they would never start him again. Totally they agree. Totally T- agree. Then with take Martin there with Tate Martell, I don't think he can throw like that. From what everything I, I read in the paper, they talk about how great an athlete is, but they but they never talk about how 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 he throws the football. i never hear it. But what this Williams do? They always talk about he can throw and he can run a little bit. So I had an idea that he had a chance to play, but I didn't think they would actually do it.
11: Yeah, and also, guys, I know for a fact that in the last week of practice, he's been throwing the deep ball a lot better, which is a big part of what our offense could be, especially if we can get those safeties up.
10: But they don't, But you don't really throw deep that much like that. You might throw deep maybe three, four times a game, but when you do it, you need to hit.
11: Yeah, you need to hit because it. You're going to
10: back him up. You just need to hit it. If you hit one or two a game, those deep balls, and you score on them and get like 50, 60 yards, they're going to back up.
11: He yeah, can do open it. i you... opening up our running game.
10: That's all you
11: need to do. Yeah, listen, That's, Gary, I can tell you right now, since I've known Ryan a really long time, he was, he was, his comments now were somewhat in the middle. He was pissed. I can tell you right now, him and his late brother and his parents, they were pissed he wasn't playing. And when he got that start, he took advantage of it. So, like I said, I've known Ryan a long time. I was proud of him and, so um, that's true, though, right, Ryan? You were pissed off. <laughs> you could see yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I was
10: pissed because, I, I, I mean, it, it was different, though. At that time, I never got a chance to really play. They had to play me because the team was really – I mean, they were down and out, and the guys on our team, if they didn't play me, they might have gone crazy because they'd seen me in practice what I was doing for two years. So after a while, they had to give me a chance. Like, with these guys, they had a legitimate chance to play. My, like, the year Frank started, his, his senior year, my junior year, they said he beat me out, but if you look at it, in the spring game, when they said he beat me out, we won the spring game. They weren't allowed to blitz, but I beat Zach, Pat Riley, Kennard Lane, and Kenny Holmes. That's what I went up against. So I mean, it's it's a different thing. Like and I look at it to this day and I'm like, you telling me that's that's not a fair competition? And we still won the game, but they said that he had more intangibles. How are you gonna have more intangibles than somebody who's not even a leader on the team at the time?
11: Well, I I think that um, I think that Manny made the right call. Enos made the right call. We'll see on Saturday, but I I I do believe, and I think what Carol Sopher said hit hit the nail on the head. I don't know about this game on Saturday, but I do expect to win the Coastal. I don't think we should even be close in any of those games. I think we should kick mostly everybody's ass and then get into the championship game. But it's looking too far ahead. But right now, I do like the direction of the team. What do you see in terms of the direction of the team? And obviously, I think one of the things that was mentioned by one of the callers is the physical condition of of this team. They just seem like they're mentally and physically into this.
10: Well, I mean, I think they were physically into it last year. But I think this year we have a legitimate chance to be a top-ten team. When I mean top-ten, I mean a top-ten team like every game we play Teams are going to start being scared of us again because defensively, you know, we're going to be good. We're going to be better on special teams. I actually think the guys are going to be more disciplined. Like, I'm not saying Mark Rick wasn't a disciplinary coach, but it's just something about Manny's man, from Miami. I played against him when he was at Miami High. I remember him. He's a Miami guy, born and raised, so he knows what it is to be a K. So now you got a defensive guy who's a head coach who wants to be aggressive on offense. That's the best thing you could possibly have. Best
1: thing. So, so, Ryan, what happens Saturday night? What do you expect? What do you, how do you think it's going to go?
10: I don't know. But, like, win, lose, or draw. If we lose this game and we play well, all it's going to do is help us and give those guys confidence. Like, yep. They say, like, from everything I hear, they say the Gators are really good. You know they're an SEC team. You know, they can cover. They play defense. The Gators are going to play defense. It's going to happen. They're going to play defense. But I think our defense will keep us in the game. And depending on when, how, I mean, how long it takes for the wins kid to really get going, or like depending on like if the offensive line holds up early, I don't know how aggressive Coach Enos is going to be. When I say aggressive offensively, I'm not talking about calling deep plays downfield. I'm talking about just calling regular football plays, taking advantage of what they give you, and being aggressive, throwing the ball middle of the field, in the flat, play action, and running the ball. Like do whatever you do. If this team takes the run away, throw it. If they take the pass away, run it. But give them different looks to run the same stuff.
11: Yeah, I I said to Gary the other day, I think we may know in the first five or six minutes, if the Gators are on, on offense are in second and short and third and short, we're in real trouble. We've got to be able to stop the run and go after uh, Franks, their quarterback. On offensively for us, same thing. We we Our third and longs have been so bad, run, run, pass. We're not going to you know, be in third and longs. We can't, like that. We can't be not- anymore. We can't afford it.
10: I, I really don't think that we're going to be in that many third and long because we're not going to be as predictable. Right. We're not going to just be standing still on offense, saying, "Come beat us up," and we know what you're doing. And if we play a team that's lesser, that's not as good as us, we jump on them. But no, right now, if we play a good team, these guys have got the confidence; they're going to go out there. Hopefully, a defense can keep us in the game we Play good special teams, and if we get, if we jump on them early and we can be aggressive, go after them. So I don't, I don't think these coaches are scary. I don't think that they're, they're scared like that. They have nothing to be scared about. Quiet about. Confidence. Yeah, but you still some Nobody expects them, them to win this game. Whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah, but like I I'm just talking about the coaches the wear that they don't care. Like these coaches don't care about what the media says. Like no. many Diaz is saying, look, these people are trying us right now. They think you guys suck. They don't give you a chance to win the game. We're gonna go out there and do what we have to do and we wanna jump on them and we're gonna show the world. That's what he's saying. That would be team. nice.
1: That would they be will. Nice. They'll be geeked up. There's no doubt about it. All right. So I have one final question for you, Ryan. Does um does Bruce take you to Sicilian Oven?
11: We we, we asked him that question last year, and he said he was going to go. So I. So I'm. I'm. Listen. This Saturday, I'm going to be at the Aventura one with Claude Jones. So if you want to come by, you're more than welcome. Oh, I'm going to the game. Oh, you're going to right. the game. All right. Well, then maybe yeah. the North Carolina game. That's
1: fine. But I Ryan, please, go, <laughs> please make sure he buys you dinner go. at Sicilian sometime in the next few weeks, please. Uh, Gary, I always,
10: me, I, always the I always pay
1: for
10: these guys. I always pay for these guys. He asks me all the time, and I never go. Yeah,
1: well,
10: you should go. <laughs> all right, we'll
1: take him up on it. Anyway, Ryan, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Bruce, thank you very much, and um, we'll see what happens Saturday night. It's going to be interesting, and um, I, I think that Enos is not going to hold back with Jaron Williams. I think he trusts him. I really do. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. I hope so. Yep. Bye, All right, Ryan. Thanks a lot, buddy, and I'll talk right, to you soon. You.
11: Gary, thanks. Great. Right, this is a no great buddy. segment. You know, every Saturday, every Tuesday night, you guys, I'll have different players for you. So, uh, let's go, Canes. Um,
1: All right, guys. You I'll, 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 thank I'll, thank I'll, you very I'll, much. I don't want to make no, my no.
11: prediction because my prediction was no. not what everybody wants to hear. So I'm going to shut my mouth and, le- and just watch yeah. the game one Saturday. Because now Ryan made me feel a lot it, better. Listen,
1: if it goes bad, the season starts in two weeks, and every game is winnable. So, yep. We'll, do, we'll see what happens. And if it goes great. And you win, now, now you can start dreaming a little bit. So yep. either way, it'll be all right. all right. All right, guys, thank you. All right, Ryan, yep.
11: talk to you soon. Gary, sure.
1: talk- yep. thanks, guys. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Uh, let's go out to the 850. You're live on Cain's Sport Live. How you doing today, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? My name is Quint. Hey, what's up, Quint? First time caller?
12: I was just – yeah, first time caller. All right. I was calling Yeah, die hard game, man. Die hard
1: game. Man, that's um, awesome. My, my,
12: first, my, my first thing was, me, honestly, I was never high on Montez uh, Tate when he first came. I felt mm-hmm. like the, he ran from competition once he found out Justin Fields was coming to Ohio State. He didn't even give himself an opportunity to – about battle for the quarterback position. He felt he was coming to Miami, and he was going to start putting a little work, and he was going to start. That's one. Two, I want to go to the recruiting. In order for you to get the top tier recruits, you have to win. That's where it starts at. You can talk, you can talk till your face turns blue. If you don't win, you don't get the top, you don't get the elite athletes. Miami has is is an elite uh, pool for for recruiting, but if you don't win, the recruits don't want to come. They want to go somewhere where someone's winning and has a chance to play for a national championship. That's just all it is to recruiting. Yeah. Another thing I was wanting to go, I see everyone that's calling is really not giving Miami a chance to, to win this game. But if I'm not mistaken, Miami has, if not the best of the top two, Point seven in college football. We have more depth on that defensive line, and Florida is replacing. More uh, wait, let me stop. Let me just line.
1: stop you for a minute. Here, let's be honest for okay. a minute. We do. We don't know that. We know that we're that we're great at defensive end, and we are. We, we're five deep at defensive end. It, 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 that mm-hmm. is the the way we look at defensive end. Is the way every position should look at Miami, in my opinion. We we have two of them right now. We have defensive end and tight end that look like Miami should look, in in, in my opinion. Now. Um, what we don't know is what the tackles are going to be like. I mean, we don't know what, you, what we're getting from John Ford. I mean, everyone's you know – we're talking so, him up a little bit. We're hoping.
12: Huh? So before, before Gerald Willis took his first nap at Miami, did we know what we were getting out of him? Are we here about what he did? I
1: mean, Gerald Willis was an elite recruit coming out of high school. He, he just had a lot of issues oh. off the field. But Gerald Willis Why always had, had the potential. He always had the potential to be what he was last year.
12: There, there was a lot of people that was recruited high and got to college and was blessed. But I, I don't want to go on that too much. No, that, but what I'm saying is we don't really
1: know. We, we do uh, you know, we don't really know what the tackles are going to be like. I mean, Bethel is a solid bro. rotation guy. I don't think Bethel's going to challenge for any all American teams or anything. He's a solid rotation guy. We'll see how John Ford shows up. Uh, the Jordan Miller kid hasn't played a, you know very much at all. You know, so we don't know. The I don't UCLA think actually. I don't know. I don't know. The, the UCLA transfer was an averages can be player at UCLA. Okay, that's why he's here. Right. So I mean, like, yeah, that's that's, that's my point. point. Okay. Like, we don't we don't know. Okay, uh, and and that's why I you know I I caution it a little bit. We're hoping. I mean, the reviews of John Ford at a fall camp have been very good, but we got to see it on Saturday.
12: But Florida's replacing? four starters on the offensive line that, that, that had at least total of over 100 starts between all four mm-hmm. on the front yep. offensive line. And everyone knows in order to control a game or win a game, it start in the trenches. Me, honestly, between our defensive end and their, their front five, I give our defensive end the, 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 better, the better chance to win it. And if we know we win in the trenches, who wins the game?
1: That, yep. That's
12: just my personal opinion.
1: But if they can single West, up those guys West. up the middle and pound it up the middle the way Wisconsin did, it, you know, I mean, you didn't see Garvin and Joe Jackson dominate the bowl game. <laughs> you know, Wisconsin no. just took it right to them and, and just beat, you know, just just physically beat them at the line of scrimmage. West, so we'll see. You know, it's going to be a good – it's going to be good. The other thing I think we got to remember – I'm going to be anxious to see Florida's O-line because you're right. They are very inexperienced. But they're still SEC offensive line recruits. And, and I'm going to be very interested to see what they look like on Saturday night and compare them to what the Miami O-line looks like.
12: But you a, almost compared a, Florida, a Florida's offensive line to a Wisconsin offensive line where that line no, is no top tier.
1: I did not say that. I said I'm um, anxious. I said they're an, they're they, they're still SEC offensive line recruits, and I and I want to I want to see what their line looks like in comparison to Miami's line. It's, I think it's going to be very interesting to see that Saturday. We will see. That's
12: all I wanted to call and say. But thanks for having
1: me on. I nah, man, thank you for calling. Love love new voices. Make sure you call again, okay?
12: I'll call next Tuesday right after Miami.
1: Okay. You got it, man. Winter win or lose, call next Tuesday. We'll talk to you then. Let's go to the seven oh six. You're live on Kane Sport Live.
13: Hey Gary, it's your boy Sebastian. How you doing? Welcome. Hey, what's
1: up, Sebastian? How you been?
13: Not too much, man. I was kinda cool. First of all, let me give you some kudos for having Ryan Collins uh
1: actually be a special
13: guest. I was actually on YouTube watching that game between Miami and um Syracuse and I'll tell you some things that pointed out. You brought up a good point when you talked about the depth, in other words, having dudes at several different positions, and, and we're not there. But i tell no. you why I think we've made some strides in the offseason is being able to coach and connect with the kids. Because i tell mm-hmm. you this, if we're in the game against Florida and it's a close game, I mean, if we're hanging with them in the third quarter, I'm telling you, that says a lot. Regardless of how the game turns out, that says a lot. I mean, if we could just get past the first – quarter, in other words, where you get to a place where you're just, like, executing and that trust between the players and the coaches is there, no telling what can happen. Let's look at what happened last year. Last year, we went into the game against LSU. I was there in Dallas, ranked number eighth in the nation. LSU had a lot of question marks. I don't know if you remember that game, Gary. They had question marks at
1: the thought they We thought they had a lot of question marks, yeah.
13: Well... Leading into the game, they had question marks at the offensive line. They had question marks at the quarterback. They got their quarterback from, uh, they transferred in from Ohio State.
12: Uh-huh.
13: And, you know, they just executed. They yep. just executed. I, I don't really look at so much the game that we play against Florida as so big as the game we play against ourselves. In other words, we have to earn the right to be on the field. And if we earn the right to be on the field, no, tell them what can
1: happen. Yeah, you want ha- you want to walk out of Orlando Saturday night, win or lose, feeling good about yourself and feeling right. like okay, right. if if you if you don't win, okay, they beat us, but we competed and, and 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 we have some we've got two weeks now to work on what we need to work on, and we're gonna go up to North Carolina and kick their butts. Uh, you, you know, that's what you want to leave with on Saturday night.
13: That's what you want. I mean, Florida was a team last year that went through a coaching change, kind of like we went through this year, had
12: a lot of
1: Mm -hmm. question
13: marks. They just got better as the season went along.
1: Yes,
12: absolutely.
13: Am I right? You're 100% right. You know, they just got better as the season went along. And what do I mean? They had issues at quarterback. They weren't really sure if there was going to be Felipe Franks. You know, they had a transfer wide receiver, and I think that guy's name is Jefferson that transferred in from Ole Miss, kind of like what we have with K.J. Osborne. They just got better as the season went along. And so I don't walk out of Saturday saying, you know, if we lose to Florida, it's the end of the world. What I want to know is can we block? Can we tackle? Can we execute? Can we live in the moment? Can we let the moment not be too bigger, bigger than what we are? Because it's a long season to play. We get past North Carolina. We have a couple cupcakes. That's going to be there. I just want to walk out the game with no injuries, no significant no significant injuries, and just yep. being able to show that we deserve to be on the field.
1: Yeah, because and, season, you know, it's the season, like the, I, the I remember Go ahead. last year and what all. all every, everyone went through. All of us went through. Okay, I mean, and look, that that night in Dallas was unbelievable. I mean, the the, the fans turned out. Incredibly, we had twenty five thousand people in that yeah, you were there, so you know what I'm talking about i mean the the excitement for that season was amazing. Everybody showed up. The football alumni, the former players that that traveled to dallas i mean it was a Hall of fame lineup. It was unbelievable, and it, it was like somebody popped a balloon after that game like that's what I'm trying to be a leader here with everybody with this situation this week. I mean, when I take my orange and green colored glasses off and I look at this objectively, I mean, I see a million issues going into this game and, and, and there's every reason in the world for things not to go well Saturday night. Maybe they'll go great. You know, crazy things happen in sports all the time, but what I don't want to see, I don't want to see the fan base have, you know, implode again. Like every, we imploded last year as a fan base.
13: Well, but Gary, Gary, let's let, let's talk about some things that we really didn't highlight, okay? There's a couple things that the fan base we didn't know. And so when you so don't judge us too hard, and I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. Like, we didn't know going into the game that Nikosi Perry was going to be suspended. That got dropped on us, like, at the very, very last minute. So we knew going into the game that, man, if Malik got hurt, we didn't know what we were going to do. And I'll tell you, this coaching staff has been really tight-lipped, but if they drop some suspensions on some guys that we're actually considering that to play that's not going to play, that's going to kind of hurt us. Because that talks about offseason stuff. That talks about discipline outside the football field on whether or not you're locked in or not locked in. The second thing that I think happened to us in that game in Dallas was that targeting penalty on Trajan Bandit. I don't know if you remember that. When they, when I they do called remember that targeting it. Horrible play, call. When, that, when they called that targeting play on Trajan, because we got a fumble on that play, if you remember. they fumbled, LSU fumbled a ball, and we recovered it. But they call a targeting penalty on him, 15 yards against Miami, and LSU gets the ball. So those are the two things that take us out of whack. I know you got a lot of other people that need to put on the call, but I want to leave you with this. The season is not going to ride or die on whether we beat Florida. Be, it, 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 I mean, the positive goes up if we beat them, but if we don't beat them, it doesn't mean that it's the end of our season. What I want to know is, are we going to walk on that walk out of, off that field to know that we have a football team and we have a quarterback. If we walk out that game with no injuries, where well, we know we have a football team and a quarterback, the sky's the limit.
1: Yeah, Florida. And winning it like and winning it is a bonus.
13: better as the team went along. What is a bonus? But let's just remember. Florida's ranked eighth in the nation, but remember, they had all these question marks going in there last year. They just got better as the season went along. And I just think that we have the culture and the coaches in place to see what happens. But I'll tell you this right here. If we're in the – if you just remember, if we're in the fourth quarter and it's a tie game, I think Baxter's kicking a field goal. We'll talk about it next week.
1: (laughs) All right, Sebastian. Thank you for being part of the show, man. We'll talk to you next week. You got it. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 916. You're live on Kane Sport Live.
14: Hey, Gary. How you doing,
1: man? It's Roland from New Orleans. Hey, what's up, Roland? How you been, man? What's up, man? I'm good, man. I had just two questions and I'm going to hang up because I mean, you got other
14: Just wanted to know, um, the, the fullback, did you didn't think you're going to implement uh, the kid from Georgia? And I And also, uh, what oh, you do? Okay. What do you think about the wide yeah. receivers, Coach? And I'm, I'm going to hang up and listen.
1: All right. The the fullback is in the offense. Okay. There's a, there's a, you know, it's going to depend on week to week, the kind of, the type of defenses they're playing, how Enos wants to scheme it up, but the fullback is absolutely in the offense and and is available uh, at all times. Uh, When I look at this game, I would not be shocked if the fullback plays a lot. Like to me, it makes sense to, to run the ball a lot, to, to use the strength of my team, the running backs, DJ Dallas has had a great camp. He's looked very good. Uh, Cam Harris has looked extremely good. Your tight ends, Mallory Jordan. Um, I go into that game looking to run the ball, shorten the game. Um, Take, take some of the pressure off the O-line in terms of trying to pass block all night. Uh, I'm not talking about throwing 12 times like we did at times last year. I think we'll throw the ball more than 12 times. But I try to get the running game going. I use the fullback, and I try to get into a play-action game. That, that's that's, what I would, that's how I would approach it if I were Dan Enos. So, uh, so we'll, we'll see what he does. I mean, maybe he'll come out and be throwing the ball all over the place. But it doesn't make sense for him to be doing that on face value. Um, I think you got to hope that your O-line can execute the run game and be physical and, um, and find out, can they do it? Can, can, can they move guys and give the backs a place to go? Because if they do, those backs are good, and uh, they'll be able to, to do some damage. Um, let's see. Now the second question uh, about the receivers coach, Coach Um I think he's doing a, a, a pretty good job. I'm, I'm concerned that, um, that there's not improvement in terms of catching the football. Um, you know, I was, I, I think you'd have to hope that he, as time goes by here, he can make a bigger impact with those guys just on the pure fundamentals of catching the ball. Um, they were one of the worst teams in the country last year when it came to drops and obviously you don't have that kind of luxury to deal with that this year. I mean, even more so than last year, um, you just can't get him bad down in distances. You got to be able to convert, and that's why I think Osborne's going to have a big year. He's a pretty sure-handed guy, um, and 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 we'll see. But you know, from my observation, it looks like he's doing a pretty good job. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is how those receivers show up on Saturdays, right? You still with us? All right, maybe you hung up. Um, but yeah, that's that's that that's the way I I, I see those two questions. Let's go to the. Um, the 256, you're on Kane Sport Live.
14: know what's going on with you, Gary?
1: Doing great. Who's this?
14: Oh, this is Juan from Alabama, man.
1: Hey, what's up, Juan? How you been? Doing Talk nice. to us. I was,
14: Okay, so uh, I was just curious what's going on with uh, Lorenzo Lingard? Is he like
1: 100% or what? I'm not going to say 100 because I don't know that the number is 100, but that kid is making incredible progress, progressing way faster than they anticipated. Um, when I first got heard reports on him, it was going to be, well, you know, maybe he'll make it back by October uh, when they get into the heart of the ACC schedule. But he's showing potential to maybe – Uh, move that up a few weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing him in the North Carolina game, but I caution it because like I said, DJ and cam are both practicing extremely well. And there's really no reason. Robert Burns is a whole new guy this year too. So there's no reason to rush Lorenzo back. Uh, I I think they'll take their time with him and kind of let him ease his way back. As long as there's no injuries at, at running back and, uh, but he's making great progress, and, and the fact that he's such a good athlete, I think, is part of the reason why he's healed, he healed so well and, and, and came back so strong. So everything's very positive there.
14: Okay. Uh, if you had to pick a position group that's probably – that that has, like, the most amount of depth, what
1: position group would that be? Oh, but it's not even close. Uh, defensive end, without question. Uh You know, okay. you, when you – when you look at what's going on there, I mean, it's like like I said, that's this is what Miami's supposed to look like everywhere. Um, you know, you've got Garvin going into his junior year, who is a, a very high-level player. I'm, I'm not going to use the e-word just yet. I think he's got to prove what he can do this year when teams are game planning for him. Which last year, let's be honest, they were game planning for um, Gerald Willis and Joe Jackson. You know this year they're game planning for john garvin from from the get go I mean you're lining up Garvin Ford, Bethel Patchen, who do you think the offensive coordinators are paying the most attention to so Garvin's got to show us that he can do it you know when the focus is on him, and that'll be an interesting little subplot um, but you got Patchen starting on the other side, who's a redshirt junior who's a kid that's really paid his dues and has been playing pretty well. Uh, Greg Russo, who's a redshirt freshman, who everybody thinks could be a potential star of the future. Um, He he should start really busting out this year. Um, You've got Trayvon Hill, who, like I said earlier in the show, would have been the best player on Virginia Tech's defense this year if he was still on that team. So he's got the capability to really make a big impact. And then you've got Jafari Harvey, who's as good looking of a freshman as you'll ever see on, at the defensive end position. So they've got really five dudes that they can put out there and, and they feel like there's no, there's not a lot of significant drop off um, with those five guys. So that, that without question is, is the deepest spot on the team.
14: Okay. So with that being said, since we got, uh, I believe two freshmen starting on the O line, Shouldn't they, book, shouldn't, they, shouldn't they, like, really be ready for this game considering the fact of the depth that we have and, you know, the speed and skill that we have at those positions on the D-line?
1: Well, I mean, if, if, if you're asking me was, if, if when Zion Nelson has gone against John Garvin in practice, has John Garvin gotten the best of him? Um, yeah, I would think that most times John Garvin, when he wanted to get the best of Zion Nelson, he got it. Um, but it's not always like that. You know, they're not always going ones-on-ones on ones and, and, and uh, they're rotating guys in and out and, and, and that kind of thing. But to answer your question, yeah, they've been tested on the practice field. But look, the, I mean, the Miami, I mean, we're assuming everything's so great, 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 great. You know, we don't know how it stacks up to what Florida's going to put on the field Saturday night. And, you know, last year we felt pretty good about things too. When you had Willis and Joe Jackson and Garvin, I mean, I think you'd agree last year was an even rosier situation than this year. Well, I mean, we had games where we couldn't stop people. I mean, you look at that Boston college first half, the Wisconsin first half, um, even the Virginia game at times. And I mean, there were some moments last year when when we were playing teams that could walk and chew gum a little bit that, it was a little problematic out there. And I think we would all agree that the situation was rosier up front than it is this year. So even this year, so, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll, yeah, we we'll, we'll, know, right. we'll, we'll know a lot more after Saturday night and we'll know even more a few weeks later at once they get into the ACC schedule.
14: Agreed on that, but we also have a way better uh, offensive coordinator than we had last year. So he's also not going to keep running those same, Three damn plays that we saw last year, because we did the same
1: like four plays. No doubt, he'll make the he's gonna make the defense play on us. No question about it.
14: So next year, first game of the year, we got Alabama, right?
1: No, that's in 2021.
14: Okay, well I don't know who we got next year, but and I know we're focused on this year, but you know we gotta knock these SEC folks off, man. I'm I'm getting tired. Like I said, I'm from Alabama. I'm getting tired of hearing about the SEC. It's about time yeah. for us to have our cake and eat it too and put on and show out and, you know, beat the shit out of these Gators. Excuse my language. Well, it,
1: but if if it happens Saturday, Saturday night, day. the sky's the limit. <laughs> Indeed. You know, if, if, if you, you get out of there with a win Saturday night, I mean, I don't think I would call Florida a, a, a top-tier SEC team. They're probably the second tier. But if you can walk out there, they're, they're a team that's on a high that, that's coming off a good finish to last year. If you can go out there Saturday night and beat them, um, it, it obviously makes a, a pretty strong statement that you're moving in the right direction.
14: Yeah, we got to make Paul Feinbaum eat his words, man. He, he talked yep. a lot of trash about it. Yeah. But all right now, Gary, I ain't going to hold you up too much longer, man. Hurricane for life. All
1: right, all right man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, guys, let me take a a quick moment here and start attacking some of these uh, questions that were submitted by the fans on the message boards at uh, canesport.com. Like I said, there were some pretty good ones, so I I don't want the show to go by without me attacking them a little bit. Um, How do we think that the defensive tackles will perform this game, and what type of year are we expecting from Bethel? Well, we've already talked a a little bit, uh, actually quite a bit about that this year, so I'm not going to go... And get too detailed here, but um, I think Bethel is a, is is an okay player. I mean, I don't think he's an All-American candidate or an All-Conference candidate or anything like that. In it's, in my eyes, he's a rotation guy, um, not necessarily a frontline starter on a on a really good football team. But there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, he, I, you know, I I see him as like a rotation guy. Um, John Ford, who we're counting on to probably be a little bit better than that, had one tackle as a freshman and he had eight tackles in 10 games last year okay um so we have to believe that he's going to replace willis and um the reviews have been good from the practice field but you know we also don't know how much of that is because of the state of miami's offensive line i mean if you're putting john ford on the practice field against miami's second team offensive line and he's dominant and you're putting two and two together and saying, Oh, he's dominant. He's gonna be dominant the whole season. I'm not sure that it's fair to make that supposition just yet. We gotta see it on Saturday night. And and I know John Ford, I've I've spoken to him a lot this preseason. Um, very motivated. Um he's got his head screwed on straight. Uh he's he's totally rehabilitate rehabilitated himself mentally and understands the expectations. I mean, I I mean, you got to see the kid. I mean, he's a massive human being strong. I mean, there's every reason for him to be a very good defensive tackle. And I think he's feeling that a little bit this year and, and, and he's trying to become what everybody wants him to be. Uh, I just don't believe in anointing before it happens. I think we got to see it. I felt the same way about Gerald Willis last year. Like, you know, let's let's he's got to show us and and gerald willis did show us well we need to see the same thing this year from john ford so we'll see how that evolves i mean jordan miller's yet to do anything so i mean if you put it all together it kind of looks a little troublesome inside but uh but we'll see uh next question the uh, florida game is pivotal is pivotal um if the canes surprise and dominate Can it propel them towards a playoff-type season, or are the playoffs just too far-fetched this year? Um, Look, I could see Florida struggling a bit. It's the first game. They might be the better team on paper. Uh, If they struggle and it's a close game going into the fourth quarter, that would not shock me. Um, No matter what happens Saturday night, it's tough to imagine this season ending in the playoffs. That would mean that you get to Charlotte – and you beat Clemson. And uh, I just think that the the chances of that are not really, really high this year. This is just not a a, a football team that's seasoned enough to that point. Um, But, and I'm not sure I want to see them go play Bama, Clemson or Georgia anyway, but uh, I do think this could be a very successful building block kind of season. I I think a bar that's set at nine wins is very fair. And um, I guess Vegas made it eight and a half. Um, I would make it nine. I think that's very fair. Uh, and I I wouldn't be the least bit shocked if we're sitting here talking about a nine or ten win season in December. But uh, the playoffs, to me, are, are probably a little out of reach, and I think most people would agree on that. Why why will Miami win this game? If Miami wins, I think it's going to be because they're able to ball control. I, I, be, I believe it's because they're going to be able to shorten the game and get after Franks and play great defense. And if they can do that and get a few breaks along the way – I think they can be in the game in the fourth quarter. That would be why they would win the game. Um, We've we've spoken about a lot of the reasons why it could go in the other direction. And, you know, it'll just be what happens on game day. How does the very green offense do against Florida? Honestly, I mean, I think it's going to be hit or miss. I mean, they're going to have some bad plays, but I think they'll have some good plays, too. It's a very good scheme. Uh, and, and Jared Williams is a very accurate thrower. And, and I don't think he, I mean, he's going to be nervous. I mean, he's a human being, but I think this kid has got some confidence. I, I don't think he's going to be rattled and like lose his mind out there by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think that everyone's going to have some tough moments. He'll make mistakes. I think the O line will have some bad plays. Uh, they got to stay out of bad down and distance situations and, um, don't let things go haywire. You know, if, if, if you have a bad play, don't let it snowball on you and lead to more bad plays. You know, try to just stay in reasonable down and distances and um, things that are workable situations. And if they can do that, you know, they can hang in there, I think, you know, pretty well with Florida. But they're going to have to do that. There's no doubt about it. Do we see the team using double tight end packages for over the middle passes to utilize the tight end strength against Florida's linebackers and giving Williams big targets? I mean, absolutely. I mean, the tight ends are the strength of the offense makes total sense to use Mallory and Jordan quite a bit. And I think they will. Um, I, you know, I, I I don't think that the capabilities that those two kids have has um, escaped Dan Enos. So I expect to see the tight ends a lot, not just Saturday night, but throughout the whole season. And I'm expecting a reasonable amount of fullback also. I I think real just really George can be a kid that um, against certain teams and at times can really help this team. So we'll see um, how that evolves. All right. I'll get to more of them later. Uh, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. We got a fast paced show going. I hope everybody's happy at the increased pace this year. Um, Callers are tighter. Uh, we're heading into hour number three and it, it seems like we just started, so that's a good thing. But hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go now to the um the nine five four. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight?
15: Good, Gary. How are you
1: doing? Doing good. Who's this? This is Scott. All right, Scott, talk so, to us. What you got?
15: Just uh a few things we've been listening and um well, a couple agreements, a couple of disagreements, but I think it's all fair and game. Um, that's that's sports, right? First of all. Well, uh, agreeing
1: sports. and disagreeing um, and debating, I mean, that's sports.
15: The kid from UCLA, he was actually a really good player two years ago. Um, the reason he played like crap, he didn't play last year because they went to a 3-4. He's not a nose tackle. He's like 6'2", 285 pounds. He's a three technique. So I'm just hopeful that you know, he can reinvigorate himself a little bit
1: and, and just provide you know the depth what? that's needed. If you can get out of him what Tito Odedigbo gave you last year, I think that's great. You know, Tito was a good be better, workman-like – he was a good workman-like rotation guy. Uh, didn't – you know, wasn't a superstar. You know, probably is not going to play in the National Football League. But he gave you solid reps, and, and, and that's very important.
15: I agree, and I think he's better than Tito personally.
1: Well, we'll and see. We haven't seen him do anything
15: it. yet. Hopefully he shows it. Exactly. Well, he he have, was a much better player at UCLA two years ago than Tito ever was at Illinois. I mean, there's no debate now. If you go back and watch the film with him in a four, three defense, one more was the coach. I yeah. Mean, I mean,
1: I've, I've, I've heard from people out there that he's just okay, but I, I, I haven't seen him play one snap other than a little bit in practice, obviously. So we'll, you know, I don't have a great, a uh, real firm opinion. We'll have to see how he does.
15: Sure. No, I'm with you there, but I just, I'm, I'm, I'm glass half full on him. That's, that's how I look at it. But, uh, Moving on to the depth and the offensive line, those are our biggest question marks, I think. I think Darren will be fine. Um, you know, offensive line and is, is a question. You know, I, I I think we the kids are better than they showed last year, I think, with the limited playbook. I mean, you can't go back to two years ago. I mean, you're telling me McDermott and Trevor Darley made that big of a difference on that offensive line. I mean, that, that playbook looked – night and day in 2017 than it did
1: last year yeah and but let me but, but I, let me just throw something out real quick because i get challenged a lot on the message boards about this whole red shirting issue i mean there's a thread going on right now about it and um what about casey mcdermott not playing a couple plays as a true freshman which he should should have never played he should have been redshirted they threw him out there for a few plays he blew his redshirt year And now he's a senior when he would be a senior and being an anchor of your offensive line. And he's just getting really good. He's out of the program. Um, Tyree St. Louis is another one. I mean, wouldn't it look different if he was starting at left tackle this year and you didn't have to put a true freshman out there. So like I'll argue this point with people like forever about this red shirting of young linemen and young players and, and things like that because you know, Somebody said posted just tonight, like it's shirting's a thing of a pa- of the past. I'm like, and I my response was, yeah, it's a thing of the past, and winning has been a thing of the past here for 15 years. And I think a big part of it was we don't redshirt anybody and haven't for years. And and I think it's a big deal. It's just my opinion. You know, I think it's a big deal. You're, if you're if, right. If, in a, in a way. if you're not recruiting, if you're not recruiting elite players, which we're not and you're not developing your better players as fifth-year seniors, then what are you doing? Like, what do you have? Like, what, you, what what's your calling card? You know, you're constantly turning your roster all over the place. I mean, think about what it means that those three linebackers have, are back this year. It
15: means everything.
1: Yeah, and imagine if they were juniors. On the defense now. With, with the, um, imagine, with if the, imagine if they were juniors. Imagine if Zach McCloud. And- Imagine if Zach McLeod, who doesn't even play a million snaps a game, was coming back next year as a senior. You know, be, uh, it
15: would be wonderful. But he, you know, you look back three years ago before the quote-unquote striker was invented. I mean, he was needed. I mean, who were the linebackers that day? They played as freshmen for a reason. You had Mike Smith. I mean, that was it.
1: Yep, I know.
15: So you know, and those those kids are better than Mike Smith was. You know. Bless his heart. I mean, the kid was a phenomenal player at Northwestern, but, you know, unfortunately, the knee injury just – that changed the
1: trajectory of his career. I mean, you and yeah. I both agree to that. He was one of the –
15: he was a stand-up Dade County stand-up rusher who lost but, a few steps. But let's
1: assume – let's assume for argument's sake – and we'll, we'll see where where Pinckney and Shaq and, um, and McLeod end up getting drafted after this year. But um, for argument's sake, like, did they really – like, I, I mean – I mean, I guess they had to play them as true freshmen because there was nobody else, but did they really make a difference on that? What was it, age and 14? Sure
15: they you know, did. like they, late, in, late in the year that year? Oh, they, they, they I had mean, their best game was the bowl game against West Virginia. And that's, those yeah, yeah they did.
1: Offense. Yeah, they did. And they, they played and, yeah. it.
15: And
1: you. Can but but the I'm just saying, like, I concept. just think the benefit of older players, like them being on this team this year means everything.
15: No, I totally agree. I mean, the roster turnover has been just a continuous trend. It's, it's like somebody who's in debt. You know, you're in debt and you get a bonus check. And what do you do? You got to pay your debt back. And then six yeah. months later, you know, you're you're back into it because you're living above. That's how it's been. You're in a constant cycle of needing an extra couple grand or an extra couple grand. Well, that's how this is. It's like we need an extra yeah. five players that are seniors, an extra five players. Until you get that one or two classes established where you can do that. It's it's a continuation continuing cycle that the program has been in for ten or fifteen years.
1: Yeah, it's and, a, and, and I, I think, think it's a bad long. cycle. You know what I mean, I don't like. I think it's bad. I, I mean, think it's I think it contributes more. to what we what what's been going on. I agree. I'm
15: with you. But if you can get so, Zion Red playing, okay. But if you can get him and Campbell, you know, with Jaron together for four more years, they all have four more years. Say they all stay for four years. You know, skate okay. up here for three of those years. Then, yep. then that's when you start building build something. Okay, if you go nine and three this year, ten and two, you know, look ahead a couple of years, then you might be somewhere.
1: But as, yeah, the Clark, the Clark kid college, looks like he's going to be good. I, I like I like the way yeah, he looks. He
15: a I mean, Cleveland Reed can still be a player. I think. I mean, he, and that's the thing. Everyone gives up on these kids after one year, one and a half years. I mean, when did Brett Rombo, When did when did guys in the past play? I mean, I, I these guys didn't play until his second, third, fourth year anyway. You know, they're that's right the way it's supposed to be. They were redshirt juniors, you know, fourth-year players. Now, you know, a kid like Reed's been in the program for one full year, and, you know, you want to dismiss him. That's just insanity to me. I mean, the, guy, the kid's got talent. He's got legs the size of a stinking monster truck wheel. You know what I mean? I mean the guy's got power. Yeah. He's a powerful person as a guard. But yeah. What I was saying real quick before that, I got two more things on this. Because I know, um, what I was saying about the playbook, and I, I you made a point with McDermott, but I, I feel like. The offensive line didn't have much of a chance last year in a running game. I mean, we ran the one RPO play, basically, it looked like to me, and we were the, the box was crowded, and those kids didn't stand a damn chance. And whether that was serials or the play call or a combination of both, I, I, I look for a much improved offensive line this year. That's one thing I'm looking for. And the other thing I'm looking for, and I'll be honest with you, is a dominant defense in this football game because Florida's got the same issues we have on the offensive line. And from my perspective, that defense that they're throwing out there and the talent level that Miami has, yeah, it's not proven, but what what team is proven a first game of the year? Clemson is replacing their entire defensive line, but they're still listed as the number one team in the country. Why? Because they recruited Xavier Thomas and a couple other four- and five-star kids. Well, those kids never played a damn down football. How do you know? I mean, how do you know how great they're going to be? You know, they were good at yeah. 15 and 20 snaps as backups, but – and to your point with Garvin. That's team. why it's they're so game. hard to
1: repeat. It's so hard. You know, I mean, the lost, the odds are so against not brought,
15: it. Team that lost tremendous amount of elite. You like the elite talent, Christian Wilkins. I mean, Dexter Lawrence. That's, those are elite of the elite defensive tackles that have been playing college for the last two or three years. Yep. And those guys are gone. So you know, yep. he, Clemson's strength is their offensive line and Trevor Lawrence this year, and their two receivers. And I mm-hmm. They're bringing four, four, of their five alignment back, and Hyatt didn't even get drafted. But you know, I, Clemson could be the running back's
1: not play. bad either. <laughs>
15: no, you running back's stuff. pretty good. Uh, all, I mean, look, like I said, that guy he recruits. It, does he pay players? Or not who the hell knows. You know, I, I, I think he paid Sammy Watkins then Spiller. That was the start of his whole thing. But you know what? You can go on about that. The, the problem with that in South Florida is that's the main breeding ground for all of the nonsense that goes on in recruiting. And unfortunately Miami's stuck in the middle of it and kind of stuck in a rock and hard place because they're, they're playing the average football and you have the entire SEC coming basically down there and Clemson Raiding guy. You, you don't see teams from other parts of the country coming down there for the most part like they used to. I mean, mm-hmm. kids from South Florida would go out West sometimes. You know, Davin Joseph went to Oklahoma. There they they were, were more national recruits down there. Now it seems like it's just an SEC stomping around at Ohio State basically recruits St. Thomas, and that's about it, in Broward County. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to stop the narrative. And whether Feinbaum, like your last caller said, <laughs> does Feinbaum create the narrative? He may. You know, it could be a whole shebang with the whole SEC. Who cares? You know, just, you know, when Miami gets a chance, whether it's this year or next year, to beat Clemson, they have to get to the game first. They they have to be competitive and do it. And in two years, they have the opportunity to play Alabama and Atlanta. Or is that where they – I think it's where the game is. And yep. – you know, by then they should have a decent, experienced roster to go up against them, and you have your opportunity, and you got to seize your opportunity, and that's it. Yes, sir. And Alrighty, man, you got anything else? Of them, so let's do it. Uh, no, just looking forward to a game. Um, hopefully you know, hopefully we get W. I, I think it'll be a competitive game, and you know, is the depth where it needs to be? I don't think so, but you know what? Is Florida a vulnerable team? I, I, I think they are. You know, I'm not gonna get ahead of myself, and then. Paint a rosy picture, but you know I'm not doom and gloom either. I, I think you know I think it can be competitive one way or the other, and, and you go from there. And you know what you got to do this year? You just have to improve week by week, like I said too about Mullen. No doubt. Look at Florida last year, and Diaz made the point in his presser. You know both teams are five and one. Florida's getting their ass kicked by Vandy, twenty-one to three, and all of a sudden they rip off a big run and they win the game. And Miami, yep. You know, <laughs> looks like. Uh, what's probably about as bad as they've looked in a long time, even probably since the stinking Clemson game under Golden. I mean, that Virginia game was atrocious.
1: Mm-hmm.
15: And that was – Well, that to me, I, 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 I agree with
1: you. I, to me, competitive in this game is a win. I I, I think winning is, is like hitting the lottery. I think, I think competitive and walking out of Orlando, feeling good about the football team, not just the, the players themselves but the fan base and everybody – to me, if, if, if we all are walking out of Orlando saying, you know what, that was a great game they played. They weren't quite good enough to win or they, or they just won or whatever, regardless, if we feel like they played a great game and they're showing the the kind of potential that we think they have for this year, which I think is nine or 10 wins, which is pretty good in college football. Um, I, I think that's a win walking out of there feeling like that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens.
15: Nice. I agree. And I guess I got one yep. quick question for you then. So, if you look at last year, you know going into the season, obviously Miami was looked at basically. The roles are reversed this year. You know, what Miami was is what Florida is now, and vice versa. Where does where Florida have the elite talent advantage that wasn't prognosticated last year that they have this year now? Is it based on? I don't. The I don't think season? it's elite.
1: I, I. I think Dan Mullen is a very good coach uh and you know he's got a very good system and and he's a veteran head coach now and he runs a very good program and uh i'd have to look at all the all the games they played last year but i don't remember them having like i don't think I, i know they didn't play bama in the regular season and things like that i think you know they had a somewhat favorable schedule and you know they caught michigan just right at the end and all that and they won 10 games um, but you know, I think they're a second-tier SEC team right now. Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, there's there's one. Yeah, they're not SEC they're not Georgia. They're not Bama, they're not Bama for sure. You know, uh, hanging by a thread to stay up with them. Yeah, Georgia's not. Yeah, I mean there, they're but, you know, yeah, they're right yeah, there with maybe. LSU and Auburn and yeah you know, yeah maybe Auburn. But that yep.
15: could be that you know that could be a eight and five team after a bowl game, or that could be a, a 10 and three mm. team, like you said. So I mean, there's, there's a wiggle room for every team everything. In college football.
7: You have absolutely.
15: To those close games. And, you know what Miami did two years ago, they won those close games to create the hype and yeah, dominated. Yep. I mean, Notre Dame and, you know, pretty much dominated Virginia tech for the most part. And uh, that hopefully I see this team growing into that later in the year too, you know, come November, hopefully have a few of those performances and that'll set things up for next year and beyond.
1: So, Yep. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Yeah, be good. Give us a call. Great. Give us a call next week. All right. Let's go to the eight six three. You're live on Cain Sport Live. Eight six three. You with us? Are you there? That's uh, That's you. Hello. Who's this?
6: Hey, how y'all doing, man? This is Christian.
1: What, what's man, up, Christian? I love this
6: show, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> Talking football. I about fell asleep, man. I ain't gonna lie. I had to listen to it. Um. I've got a couple questions, man. Um, I hear you talk about Jeremy Payton a lot. You think he's going to be a factor in the game at all or no?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I love Payton. I love Jeremiah Payton. You're right. We haven't mentioned his name once all night. Uh, what a great-looking freshman. I I, I mean, he, he's, eight I guess, 18 years old. Looks like he's 22. Can, handles himself like he's 22. Uh, you would never know he's a true freshman. And I think he's one of the better receivers out there right now. And uh, I was kind of surprised uh, when I looked at the depth chart, and he was nowhere to be found. And I haven't had a chance to figure, figure out why or find out why, um, but he's nowhere to be found on the on the, on the depth chart. So uh, I thought he'd make a contribution coming right out of the gate. And maybe he will, maybe if they're playing possum awesome by not putting them on the depth chart, but uh has looked man, phenomenal awesome, I'm hoping. <laughs> he's look he has looked great yeah. from the minute he stepped on campus.
6: good, good, the stuff that I read about that kid man he looks like he's gonna be a star um so The other question is uh man, I think our tight ends are going to eat eat, eat, eat this year, man. they are going to have a hell of a year, I really think so Mallory, I think he is just gonna be just amazing dude and you already got you already know what Jordan can do so um uh what was another question I wanted to ask um oh what what's your what's your uh, thoughts on that Jake Garcia kid?
1: I think they got a great shot. I I think if they if they win and look good offensively this year, I think they'll they'll get Jake Garcia. Uh the the thing you gotta watch is U S C. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, USC is his backyard school. Um, he's, he's always, you know, had an eye on USC. If, if USC struggles and changes coaches, depending on who the new coach is and all that, um, there's a great chance they get Jay Garcia. Sweet, man, sweet.
6: And another thing, too, man, I don't think we're ready to play against the Clemson, man. Like, we get to no. Charlotte, man. Today? We're like, no. No. No, and that's the thing is, like, yeah, we get to Charlotte. Here we're gonna play. We're gonna play
1: Clemson. You know. And you still got to get there. That's your goal. Anything you less that, than that is a. Goal. Listen, anything less than that is a failure. Let's be honest. If they're not playing that's in Charlotte true. the first week of December, the season is a failure. I don't care about all the yeah. problems that we're talking about. Everybody's got problems. If they're not playing, in, I mean, you talk about problems. Just look at the Coastal. Everyone's got problems. If they're not playing in Charlotte, it's a failure. Period.
6: Yeah. And that's him. what
1: everything and, uh, I've pointed out, and and, and I, I gave an, a, a very honest assessment uh, at the beginning of the show, yeah. and and all of that mm-hmm. said, all the pluses and minuses, you can throw them out the window if they're not in, if they're not in Charlotte in December, it, the season is a failure. Yeah.
12: Because Miami has and more talent they-
1: than any team on the schedule that they're going to yeah. play after this weekend, other than maybe Florida State, and they probably have more talent than Florida State.
6: Yeah. And, and another question I got and um, is I really, really, really think that Miami has got a good shot against Florida. I mean, we are the underdogs. I mean, we played in 2013. They were ranked. We weren't. We beat them. I mean, can you compare 2013 team to this year's team? I mean, how, no. how how far are we away from that team? Are we better than the 2013 team, or are we not as good as the 2013
1: team? Um, I would say probably not quite as good. I mean, I don't remember who every starter was on that team or, or whatever, but I'd say probably just not quite as good as that team at this point.
6: Yeah. Well, Gary, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate listening to your show, um, like I said, I, I really appreciate you being real, man, and um, like I said, uh, I'm ready for the season to start, and I can't wait to get back with you next Tuesday and listen to you.
1: All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show.
6: Yes, sir. Thank you.
1: All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 419. You're live on Kane Sport Live.
3: Okay.
16: Big Mo from
1: the what's up big Mo you're breaking up a little bit so talking to the phone
16: yeah sorry about that um, there you are got a few points to make I personally uh I think you're pretty on point with aspiration. I, I think this year I think a coleslaw I mean, a title I mean a, a trip to the ACC championship game is pretty much the goal I mean that, that's your goal I mean Getting to a playoff, beating a team like Clemson is very unrealistic at this point in this stage of the game. You have to kind of crawl before you run. And I I think that what you said was pretty on point with our schedule not being the toughest schedule that I've ever seen. Um, But i say in this first game, for some reason, you know, we we keep talking about Wisconsin, some other games last year. I, I don't know if it's just a gut feeling, but I have a feeling this team's a little more mentally invested than they were at the end of last year. I think that team quit on Rick. I really do, and I hate to say that. But I think those kids, by the end of the year, were just mentally beat up. And I and I don't think they really wanted to finish that season. And I, I think that's why you've seen what happened in the Wisconsin game. I don't really expect that as much in the Florida game. And I'm not saying we're going to go in there and walk out with a W. But I, at the same time, I'm not overly I, – I mean, I, not, if we, we beat Florida, I can't say I, I would be doing cartwheels and running around the house. It very well could happen. The, the Florida offensive line isn't the greatest. I'm not a thousand percent sold on Frank. I know he started to play better at the end of the year, um, but my question to you, and, and, and I have, I have my own opinion. Which offensive player, besides Williams, are you most excited to see this weekend? And which player on defense?
1: Wow. Um, offensively, I'll say Will Mallory just because of how okay. great he's looked in practice, just because he's looked so spectacular in practice going all the way back yeah. to the spring. Uh, I really think he could be a real impact guy. Uh, so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll start with Will Mallory on, on, on offense. Uh, mm-hmm. Defense, uh, I would say Gregory Russo, uh, just because, yeah. I mean, of how much potential I think he has. I mean, you hear me talk about elite. All the time. Elite. We don't have elite. We don't have elite. When I look at Gregory Gregory Russo, I see elite potential. Uh, I mean, he looks like a young Calais Campbell to me. And I want to see that kid fulfill his potential. And and I hope it starts very early in this season uh, because uh, I think he could be the next real big-time player in the program. Sure.
16: And, and myself, I, I do like that Mallory choice, and he was actually my second choice. And, and that is something I like in, in this game that we have is tight ends. Because I've always thought the tight ends are a quarterback's best security blanket. When you have a young kid, you got elite tight ends. Let him make the simple easy throws and let those tight ends make plays for him. I, I really like that. Mine, personally, on offense would be the K.J. Osborne. I think he's been tremendous for the program. He comes in as a leader. I think he can do the dirty work because I, I live in Matt country, so I seen the kid play last year at Buffalo. Yeah. And he can do the dirty things. He knows how to get open. He has uh, he's seasoned. He, he, knows how to catch, he knows how to catch the ball. He knows where to sit in the zone. He can move the change for you. And, and I like him. I really love him as a compliment to Jeff Thomas. And I think Thomas is elite, but I really truly believe someone like Osborne is a guy who I would count on the most. You
1: would do your dirty work. Thomas is elite athletically. K.J. Osborne, and I'm not going to say he's elite because he's not elite, but K.J. Osborne handles himself like a pro receiver. I mean, just does everything, right? Uh, Is a leader. Uh, I mean, he's everything you could possibly want. That kid is a godsend for this program right now because they needed that type of mature presence in the receiver room. Correct.
16: And I, def- I mean, and I feel the same way you do about both those receivers. On defense, for some reason, the, the place where I'm, I'm most nervous is what you mentioned earlier, the secondary. We don't exactly know how this secondary is going to gel. So my pick for defense, I really want to see Gervin Hall. I want to see mm-hmm. a leader step up and they can make plays. And from everything I keep hearing about this kid, he's athletic, he's rangy.
1: Yeah,
16: they both are. I just someone to step up.
1: They, I mean, that, Amari Carter and Gervin Hall are, are what you want back there. We, it just has to show up on game day. You know, are they going to sure. freeze under the? Are they going to freeze under the lights? I mean, at that position, sure. all you got to do is freeze for one second, and it's over. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. You know, absolutely. how corner going to hold up? Is Al Blades going to get turned into a pretzel? You know, I mean, we just don't know any of this stuff.
16: Absolutely, I feel the same way. Well, you you sure. know, fans.
1: Really um, oh, I'm sorry. You know, they've got some big receivers. You know, how's Trajan going to hold up against bigger receivers?
16: True, and I agree. I, we're really, I think the real the matchup where we really need to exploit from looking at Florida, they have two really solid corners. One is excellent. I, I really feel the tight ends. We need to exploit that matchup. I, I think that's our best chance. Um, I think their corners match up really well with us. They have two really solid corners, and, and I, I could see them really give you know giving us a hard time. And I really like the the fact that we have tight ends. And for some odd reason, I have a funny feeling we'll be able to run the ball. We'll see. I could be completely wrong. I just have that funny feeling. The Enos has the right offense. I mean, I watched him in Arkansas. Heck, I watched Enos when he was at Michigan State. I and mean, I feel really comfortable with the guy.
1: Yeah, no, the, the offense is great. I've watched it now for six months. It's great. I like it. That's
16: all we need. Because last year, yeah. they, were, they were terrible. I mean, it, it was very remedial. Well, I don't want to take up all of everybody's time, but thank you for having me on your show.
1: No sweat, man. Give us a call next time. 563 999 3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live.
9: Hey, Gary, what's going on, man?
1: Doing great. Who's this? Uh,
9: that's why i
1: Hey, what's up, man? What you got for us? Uh,
9: I, want, I want to touch on something that uh, nobody's going to touch on. Um, Florida has two solid corners, but one of them is coming off of, back off an of ACL he had last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you come back off the of ACL, you're not right there next year. He may run fast in the straight line, but as far as cutting coming off the of ACL, nobody comes back the same that, that next year. It normally takes a couple of years to come back from the ACL. So I'm interested to see exactly how good Marco Wilson actually is in that game, because he's not, he's only a, less than a year removed from the ACL. I, I want to see exactly how good he is, and I think we should test it. Um,. Another thing is, uh, I assure linemen. you
1: that they want to test him. There's no doubt about it.
9: Yeah, because, like I said, you can run fast in a straight line off ACL, but as far as making cuts and making certain, certain movements with receivers like Jeff Thomas, he may, he may change me up again messing with Jeff, Jeff Thomas, somebody like that. But um, uh, another thing I wanted to tell you was, Florida's offensive linemen, they have less experience than our offensive linemen. And they were a bunch of three-stars. If you look at the recruiting rankings for our offensive line and their offensive line, our offensive line has better players. Like, you know how you say the SEC, they have the SEC offensive line? Well, our offensive line was the guys that the SEC, the Bama's and the Jordans and the, the Florida's and the LSU's were trying to get, and we actually signed them. So we may actually have some SEC lines. I remember Reed was a, Reed was a big guy that they wanted. They wanted space. So Florida got a bunch of three star offensive linemen, man. If you look that up, you'll see and you'll say, well, they're have no they older, but they're a bunch of three star offensive linemen. Okay. The other thing I'm going to say is one more thing I'm going to say. Florida, is, their best safety isn't playing in this game. Uh, Demetrius Stewart, I think he's suspended for this game. That guy that they're putting back there on their death chart, I don't even know what kind of experience he has. So they have a lot of the same problems he has. But nobody's really talking about it. Like, like okay, they're defensive linemen, They're defensive tackles. Like, the, the best guy as far as rushing the pass on their defense was Zinger. But Zinger got a bunch of sacks from playing defensive tackle and not defensive end. So where is their pressure going to come from outside of Brickson? They don't – they're more of a, a one-stopping style line. So I don't think they're going to put a bunch of pressure uh, other than trying to get a bunch of started bricks on Jaren. I just think we have a really good shot in this game because I think we're, we may actually be as good or better than them in a lot of spots. Now, we, they have some big receivers, but Frank, man, listen to me, Gary. Frank's padded his stats. If you look it up, anybody on this podcast can look it up. Frank's padded his stats against the bad teams they played. Against the, any team with a post, Frank's was like a, a 50% passer with two more picks than he did touchdowns. He padded mm-hmm. his stats against the bad teams, the Georgia Southerners and those teams. He padded his stats against those teams, not the good teams, the bad teams. So I don't, I don't think he's going to really hurt us. He, he may do a little bit of running, but as far as throwing the football, man, Frank, if, if, if Frank was at Miami, he'll, he'll be right in front of Peyton Martel. That's all I can say. <laughs> I have a, I have a lot of Florida fans back here, that and they don't think that he they don't think he's really that good. They just hoping he don't make a bunch of mistakes in these games. So just give us a little bit, give give us more. And and in this game, I'm, I'm gonna say this and I'm done. This game sets up just like the LSU game did for us last year. That's great agree. Overrated, overrated teams. They lost. See the, the the people rating them high. They lost a bunch of players like the the polite kid from last year. They lost a lot of good players on that defense last year. And it's not it's not the same defense as last year. So they're going a bunch off well, this is what they did last year, and this is how they finished. But those players in the NFL, they can't help them now. They can't help them in this game. So yeah. just 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 give us a little bit better chance and I think this the Jared just plays a decent game, um, we, we don't make, make or make a bunch of mistakes. And, you know, uh, I think the, the uh, punting game is going to be much improved because as long as we, we're starting in special teams and the defense isn't able to, to tee off on every play that we, we have, like year, we'll be okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I ain't going to hold you up. Go Cames, and I'll, I'll keep me online. All
1: right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right, let me attack a few more questions that were submitted on the message boards by the fans at Keynesport.com. What's the real scoop on the recent transfer of Smith and Bethel? I remember thinking Bethel was a bit of a stretch when we picked him up. It seemed like Smith would be getting some decent playing time this year. Smith was looking looking great in practice. Uh, I heard he might have some academic issues. I'm I'm not sure how big of an effect that had in his decision uh, to leave, but – it was really, it it was looking like he was making plays in every practice we watched. And it was a little bit weird though, because when you would talk to the coaches about him, they kind of like didn't want to oversell, you know what I'm saying? And like um, now with him leaving and possibly having had some academic issues and stuff, it all kind of like comes together and makes sense. Um, So, I mean, it's a shame to see him go, but, You know, they have plenty of depth at safety. I think it'll impact a little bit on special teams. Um, But, you know, I don't think that losing either one of those guys is really a big issue. Uh, Bethel maybe would have been the fourth corner, maybe, over to Corey Couch and Christian Williams. Uh, But, you know, he didn't have a massive future here. and, And, you know, I could see why he made that decision as well. Will Florida bring the house early and often The rattle Jaron? Um, does Enos know this and will prepare him with hot routes and dump off options and things like that to counter that? Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that Dan Enos uh, knows that Florida's coming after Jaron Williams. I don't think there's any question about that. And, um, you know, when you've heard the coaches talk about the offense quite a bit, uh, it's always come down to, and Manny Diaz says this every time he talks about the offenses. There's always a place to go with the football, so they feel like no matter what the defense does, that the quarterback has a place to go with the football, and there will be somebody open. So it becomes a matter of the quarterback, you know, making the reads and making the right decisions. And um, I'm sure that the game plan will have plenty of preparation for Florida coming after Jaron. It obviously, you know, makes total sense. Try to speed things up for him, bring blitzes things like that, make him make quick decisions, make him have to go through his progressions faster than they want him to. Uh, all those things are obvious strategies for, and for Florida to incorporate. And remember, the Gators have one of the best defensive coordinators in the game, and Todd Grantham, and uh, uh, yeah, I would expect all of that and, and then some. Um, is the offense going to be too complex for us to be good right away? That's a great question. Uh, I don't really have a feel for how complex it is um but here's what i'll say i've watched a lot of practice between the spring and the fall and i didn't see mental mistakes all over the place i really didn't at all i mean i don't it doesn't look like it's too complicated for these kids i mean you know obviously i don't know what every single player is supposed to be doing on every single play when we're sitting there watching it to the naked eye but like it may it might not be too complex i mean i didn't see all kinds of breakdowns and things like that so i think in that regard that's a pretty good sign all right back to your calls 563-999-3633 563-999-3633 you hit the one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show and let me see where we're at here um let's go out to the 305 you're live on Kane sport live
17: what's up gary how you doing
1: i'm doing great who's this Sino
17: 305.
1: Hey, what's up, Sino? How are you, man? What you got? I'm
17: good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Um, So, a couple of things. Uh, One, I think uh, this is the first time since uh, Randy Shannon that I think uh, it looks like we have the right coach. Okay? I know people say that he's young, this and that, but every coach is young at some point, right? Um, He just seems to get it, and he's, he he's putting winning it seems like he he's putting winning above everything else. All he talks about is this, the game and adjustments and things he needs to do. You don't hear him talking about other things. a lot of coach uh, our other coaches have just they seem to be talking about everything but what we wanted to talk about, which is how how do we win uh, I think the offense was the only issue the last couple of years, and we finally have a guy that is going to change the game for us. So I disagree with you when you mentioned that in 2013, maybe we had a slightly better team. I think we probably had the same amount of talent, except the biggest issue we've had then was D'Onofrio. And now we have a top-notch aggressive defense, and that makes all the difference. So I'm expecting us to really go out there and, and shock a lot of people this year. Um, if we can get by, I think that Florida, you mentioned that you don't think Florida is a top one, you know, top tier SEC program, but I mean, they beat LSU, they won 10 games, they, you know, blew out Michigan. Um, they're definitely a top 10 program. They're a clear, legitimate top 10 program. You know, I'm not going to downplay their quarterback. I think they really do have a great team, but I really do think that we're going to surprise people because we were only missing the offense last year. We had the defense, mm-hmm. but we just couldn't put anything together on offense. And Jaron Williams seems to be legit. He can, he has the potential to do it all. So let's see if the offense comes through. We're going to end up having a, probably a legitimate top ten team this year. You know, I mean, look well, we're going to find out.
1: The... We're going to find out if they're if they're at that level on um, on Saturday night. And yep. and you I'm know, gonna... that that would be wonderful. If it works yeah. out that way. So,
17: I mean, you know, the good thing is we're all going to find out Saturday what kind of team
1: we have. So, Look, know, Florida we really went should, from we a 4-win a- team to a 10-win team last year, okay? Exactly. So, like, why can't Miami go from being a 7-win team to a 10-win team? There's no reason why it can't. We can. We can. There's no question
17: about that. The real only question with Miami is what everyone is asking is are can we compete with the top one teams? Can we compete with Clemson? No, teams?
1: right now we you can't. Know? If we if we we were playing Alabama tomorrow, we'd be probably twenty eight point underdogs. Right. I mean, if we were playing them Saturday, I didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, if we were playing if we we were playing Alabama this week, we we'd be four touchdown underdogs.
17: Okay, that's fine. If we were playing Clemson
1: or Georgia, we'd probably be five touchdown underdogs.
17: Right, but come the end of the year,
1: okay, we'll see. By the end of the year, can we compete with the Clemson? That's the real question. Probably not, but 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 it would be nice to get the opportunity.
17: Okay, well let's see what happens. Um, And uh, listen, also, you know, I know we have a lot of inexperience, but if you really look at the guys that are that the guys that left, like the Red Wines and these kind of guys that left the team, and the guys that are replacing them now are much higher rated guys. So yeah, they're inexperienced, but if you really look at it, they're higher rated prospects that are replacing mm-hmm. the guys that left. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's potential here for uh, a better team this year.
1: Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. If, I mean, I don't, I don't I'm, th- not th- th- I'm not th- disagreeing with you. I think, I think that I, I think like I've said the whole show and all summer to me, what happens Saturday night is an eva- it's it, to me, it's an evaluation. If you happen to win, it's like hitting the lottery, but let's walk out of Orlando feeling good about the team. And I think that if, if that's the case and, and they lose a close game and they're competitive, the season begins two weeks later at North Carolina, and they should spank the living day out, to, out of those guys. And, and, and I'm sure Manny Diaz still has a grudge with Mac Brown, and uh, he's not taking the pedal off the metal if he gets the opportunity. I'll tell you that. But, but
17: I will add one thing, uh, Gary. For so all of the fans listening to the show, okay, I'm going to say bullshit. Nobody will accept losing to Florida. Okay, nobody will accept the competitive game. We have to win the game, okay? We, have we don't to have to accept
1: game. it, but if if it doesn't go well, we don't have to implode either. Well,
17: we don't okay. have to you like mean, we end don't
1: end have to day, like we don't have to blow up the balloon. You know what? You know what I'm happen, saying? We don't have
17: a true, a true. as long as it's not like what happened in LSU where it wasn't a competitive game. As long as it's a back and forth battle to the end, I think nobody's going to implode, but at the same time We've got to win. You know, our mentality, the fans' mentality in Miami, we don't settle for for any losses. You know, we still have that five-championship mentality in Miami. We want the best. So I know everybody wants the, the, the Canes
1: to win. Yep. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right, boss. Thanks. All right, man. Let's go to the 863. You're live on Canesport Live.
6: Hey, it's me again. So I have one more question to add earlier. If that's all right.
1: Oh, I did. Yeah, okay. Go ahead real quick.
6: I'm so sorry. Hey, um, what are the rumors I'm hearing about suspensions? Is that true or not?
1: We don't think so. Manny said no, so we'll see. I mean, I I hesitate to get too strong on that just because I can't remember the last time there were not suspensions for the first game. But if they got through the spring and summer without kids failing drug tests and things like that, that is a very good sign from the get-go. If there's no suspensions at 7 o'clock, on Saturday night, that's the first win of the evening. Let's put it that way because that means the kids are doing the right <laughs> things. No, I'm dead serious. It means, that, it means they're doing yeah. the right things, and they're bought into what's going on. That would be the first yeah, win true. of the night. I'm serious. Yeah, we really good. would be. <laughs> uh,
6: that's awesome, man. And, hey, thank you for bringing me back on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, no sweat. All right, man, man we'll talk to you
1: next time. All right, I'm going to knock off a few more of these questions. If you want to get in here late – Five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three. I got one caller on hold that I'm going to get to in a minute. Otherwise, we've cleared the board. So if you want to get in late, jump in right now. Hit the one on your keypad. Have the wide receivers fixed their issue with dropping the ball? No, they had 11 drops in the second scrimmage. No, they haven't fixed their issue with dropping the ball. So hopefully, the you know the, it won't be an issue Saturday night and throughout the season like it was last year. But still seeing way too many drops on the practice field. Will the moment be too big for the coaching staff? That is an interesting question. I, I I no, I don't think so. Dan Enos who's really the guy that's under the gun Saturday night more than anybody, um he played in the national championship game last year. He's not gonna be the moment's not gonna be too big, that's for sure for him. Um Manny's gonna be puckered up, no doubt about it. I mean um, but too big, I mean, I don't know, he's been coaching for 20 years, I mean, it's different being the head coach, uh, so we'll see, I mean, I, you know, I mean, he, listen, he's gonna have knots in his stomach, I mean, he's a human being, no doubt about it, Uh, it's his first game as a head coach, going against his former boss, playing Florida in Orlando, national TV, game day, the whole thing, I mean, you know listen it 's going to be a lot to handle, but he, he i mean its it's not it's not like he hasn't been around the block a little bit you know man he's been coaching for a while, so hopefully he'll be okay. Um, what are some of the things that I am looking for in game one? well, I want to see competitiveness for sure um, I want to see a, a team that doesn 't back down to the challenge that hangs in there for four quarters, no matter what happens and shows a little bit more toughness than what they showed last year. But my opinion is still the same. The season begins week two at North Carolina, regardless of a win or a loss this Saturday, because this season is not going to be judged in December by what happens in Orlando Saturday night. It's going to be judged by whether the Miami hurricanes are playing Clemson in Charlotte for the ACC championship. So if they somehow find a way to win this game, I think it's a bonus I, I, listen, I, it, it's hard for me to talk like this about a Florida game. I mean, the, the, my first game ever at the University of Miami, I think was, it was one of the first ones, was, was with the Canes playing Florida. And obviously, you know, I went through all those games when Howard was the coach and all that. I mean, yeah, I get how important playing Florida is, especially to the people that have been around the program for decades and all that. But in the big picture, to me, the season begins in the North Carolina game. And winning this would be a bonus, and uh, success or failure is measured by getting to Charlotte. But what are the team's expectations? Are they mentally tough enough to handle a bad loss? If it happens, can they withstand a punch in the face from this SEC team and be tough enough to punch back? Uh, That's what they have to prove. Last year, they weren't. They weren't tough enough last year. Manny's the first one to say it. Uh, they were not a tough team last year. This is what he, is, he and, and, and Feely and those guys have been trying to instill the entire offseason. Bring a tough football team to the stadium on Saturday night. And like I said a second ago, if that's what happens and that's what we see, to me, you know, that's another win. Win number one, nobody is suspended. Win number two, be freaking tough and don't back down to any challenge you're going to face. And don't cave when you have adversity because you're going to have adversity. There's going to be ebbs and flows. It's a football game between two competitive teams. There's going to be ups and downs. Don't cave under the pressure under any circumstance. Um, how are special teams shaping up? Have we found our punter? Yeah, but let's remember something about him too. Like he hasn't kicked in a game either. I mean, he's an older guy, but he's going be nervous also. So, you know, if he has a couple rough moments, don't be shocked. I mean, this is his first big time college football game in a, in a, in a, major stadium also. So um, let's keep that in mind with Headley. Um, based on fall practices, how far away is this team in terms of rebuilding two years, five years, et cetera. It's hard to put a number on it right now. I mean, I think it's still pretty far. If you're talking, if you're talking about competing for national titles with Clemson and Georgia and Bama, I think it's pretty far. I think it's, it's several recruiting cycles. Um, they got to start recruiting more elite players. I talked about this in the first segments of the show. Um, if they can't, they're going to keep going in circles. You're only going to get so good recruit, recruiting from the second tier of players. And I don't care how good your player development is. I don't care how good your coaching is. Um, you're not going to go beat teams that are getting four and five five-star players every single recruiting cycle. Um, with second tier recruits. It's, it's hardly ever going to happen. Yeah. You'll get a miracle every now and then maybe, and maybe you could put together a team where all the magic comes together, but it's such a long shot. And um, you know, this year it's the offensive line and the secondary next year, it's going to be the offensive line and the linebackers and the receivers because you're going to lose Osborne and you're probably going to lose Thomas. I mean, it just goes on and on. You got to recruit better every year, top to bottom. Um, that's, you know, that's the way I see that one on a scale of one to 10. How worried am I about the offensive line? Um, 10. <laughs> I'm very worried about the offensive line for all the reasons that I stated earlier. I mean, you got, you got a true freshman left tackle. Your best player is playing left guard after having played right tackle and right guard the first two years of his career, your centers, you know, frontline guy for the first time. Um, you know, your right guard played right tackle last year and a second-year player who was okay last year. I wouldn't say he was great. And your right tackle is a redshirt freshman that hasn't really done anything yet. So, yeah, no, I'd, I'd say 10. I think that's fair. And, but I'm very excited to see how they do on Saturday night. And if we can take that 10 after Saturday and we can walk out of there making it a 6, that would be a, a great thing. If Tate Martell is so bad, why can't he beat Perry out for number two? Well, for whatever reason, they don't want to announce who's number two. Um, I expect Perry to be number two, um, and we'll see, you know, how they line up in pregame, I guess, on uh, on Saturday and if there are any packages for Martell. But uh, I'd be surprised if Perry is not number two. Um, and last question, with the unintended consequences of the transfer portal, how will teams get to 85 total scholarships with – Limiting yearly scholarships. Um, that's a great question. And my personal opinion is I think they're going to have to change the rules. Um, I think with guys coming and going the way that they are, that they are going to have to uh, allow guys to um, – teams to sign more than 25 if the 85 limit accommodates it. Like you got to let teams rebuild their rosters, I think. So I'm expecting that rule to, uh, to change here at some point. All right, um, let me see what I got left on the board. I don't believe I've gotten to this one call, so let me go now to the uh, 662. You're going to be the last call of the show. You're live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? 662. Yeah. All right, man. Who's this?
13: Oh, uh, good, James.
1: What's up, James? What you got for us? Oh,
13: uh, yeah. Oh, uh, man, i just been, you know, just keeping up with everything going on through the week and hope we can pull this in and out. Been talking a lot of trash with Gator fans, along with my brother. So I'm just trying to um, – the only thing I really want to find out mainly about is how um, certain recruits is going, especially with the guy, the middle line brother guy from California.
1: Oh. I know we like fi- – I mean, fi- Final Four. I mean – I, I, hate to, I hate to say the C word, but um, very likely going to Clemson, which is not good for us
3: mm-hmm.
1: because we can't accomplish anything in football here at Miami without beating Clemson. I can't accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. Can't make the playoffs. Can't play for national titles. Can't win the ACC. Okay. we We cannot accomplish anything in football without beating Clemson. Right now, I mean, it looks to me like he's going to Clemson, but we're in the final four. And if you have a good season this year and you have some appeal, maybe he comes on the visit and loves it. We'll see.
13: Okay. What about
1: the guy from um, the tight end? Same deal. Same deal. He's probably going to Georgia or or Alabama or Clemson, one of those schools. But, again, Final Four, you you have a great season. Mallory and Jordan catch a bunch of passes. You never know.
6: Okay. Well – Good year, man. Thanks. All right.
1: All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call next time.
6: All right, no
13: problem.
1: All right, let me see here. I think another call might have slipped in here. Let me see if this is a new one. If it is, I'll take it. Um, yeah, let's go out to the eight oh three. You're live on Kane Sport Live.
17: Hey, Gary. Really good to hear your voice again on the phone.
1: Hey man, who's this? This is Pete Truman. What's up, Pete? What you got for us? Take us home. What you got? Not a lot. I just want to wish the
17: the team good luck, and I know that everybody that's on this phone call listening is, you know, a a fanatic just like I am, and win, lose, or draw, I'm just really glad that the season's fixing to start, and I mean, I I know we've watched these guys since coming out of high school, and I, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I mean, it's, it's family, Miami, and then everything else with me, and that's just how it is. Just wanted to let everybody know.
1: All right, man. Well, thanks for doing that, and we'll see what happens Saturday night. All right, Gary. Thanks a lot. Have a great night. All right, before we go to sleep here, um, let's give one more shout-out to Sicilian Oven. If you're in South Florida and you're looking for a place to go watch the game, On Saturday, Sicilian Oven might be about as good a choice as you can make. You've heard me talk all about it. Their pizzas, their pastas, all their great Italian dishes that have been passed on from the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. Uh, They've got a full bar at the Fort Lauderdale location, a brand new outdoor dining uh, area at the Lighthouse Point location, uh, the other locations are at the Fountains Complex in, in Plantation. Um, you've got a location in Coral Springs on Sample Road and 101st uh, Boca Raton location. So no matter where you live, if um, Aventura, if you live in Dade County, um, find the nearest Sicilian Oven location that, that works for you. And go experience what I experience pretty much every week and um, just phenomenal food, uh, Ralph. Uh, the owner is, is, is a great guy and we thank him so much for sponsoring Cane Sport Live again this year. And, um, you know, I think you'll, you won't be sorry if you go get that Sicilian Oven experience and, uh, you'll end up like the rest of us going back, uh, time and time again, check them out at SicilianOven.com. And remember, you're not only going to love the taste, you'll taste the love. And, um, thanks to Sicilian Oven for being part of the Kane Sport Live family this year. Uh, thank you to Bruce Warner and Ryan Collins in our Sicilian Oven point counterpoint segment. I want to thank Carol Sofer, the great Carol Sofer, for um, gracing us with her presence this evening and uh, giving us the female point. She was our only female caller. Um, no surprise there. Um, a lady that really knows her football, and she's got that nice little inside perch. Um, of going out to practice and mingling with the coaches and stuff. So it was nice to hear from her. Canes and Gators, Saturday night, be there, be square. Um, I'll be heading up there Friday. Uh Really looking forward to finding out more about this football team. It's, you know, I, I try to keep it real with everybody. I give you my honest opinions based on what I see. Um, but the truth is you don't really know a football team until you see them in action. And every football team is kind of like its own, beast you've got guys graduating you got new transfers coming in you got a whole freshman class that came in so it's going to be fun uh just getting to know this 2019 miami hurricane football team a little bit better on saturday night so thank you everybody for listening we'll be back here next tuesday night at eight o'clock to slice and dice it up and uh, and, and talk about it um until then um have a safe rest of your week and those of you going to orlando um, I'll be on the sidelines, as always, pregame. Make sure you say hello. Good night, everybody.